Like, it's cool in a comic book, yeah, that Batman weighs 200 pounds and he's jacked and he's shredded and he's this big, hulking beast. But you cannot do the type of combat that Batman does if you are like this. Like, your body just doesn't physically allow it. Go look at any, like, major bodybuilder and see how far they can, you know, turn their neck. I mean, it's kind of, you know, ironic because men are not And they're off. Oh man, it's been like uh, last podcast I did was back in December. So it's been a hot minute, and it's only been one episode since you were here. And wow. so, you know, I mean, we've only done three, and you're my uh, first recurring guest. So you have half of the podcast at this hey, point. There you go. Uh, That's a good feeling. Yeah, Johnny Horror Podcast. And today it's going to be the Johnny Batman Podcast. That's right. That's, uh, that's what we're talking about today, man. I yeah. was uh, really excited. Last time you were here, I think both of us were saying that the Batman was our most anticipated yep. movie of 2022. Yep. Um, Far and away. Now, uh, now that we've both seen it, you've seen it twice, twice. right? Yeah. Um, before we dive into the film itself, let's take a step back, because uh, as far as I'm concerned, Batman still falls into the realm of the horror genre. As far as superheroes go, he's definitely the one of the darkest, mm-hmm. if not the darkest, as far as, like the main heroes go, you know? Um, you know, he uses the the costume and the shadows and all that to scare people. Yep. So uh, I feel like that very much falls in line with the horror genre. And, like, even going back to, like, at least for me personally, um, the the... The 90s cartoons they were scary as some, some of them were outright horror episodes yeah like quite the, a few like one of the first ones the the man bat that episode. was the first episode yeah and it's a horror episode it's yeah fucking it like clear cut yeah. creepy as hell mm-hmm. um especially for a kid's cartoon yeah yeah especially yeah when you're like five you're yeah like, wow this is uh it's pretty fucking scary yeah. what was to your recollection what was your introduction to batman my introduction to Batman was Batman 89, Tim Burton, which, you know, Tim Burton is, uh, I don't know if I'd call him a horror filmmaker, but he's in that That, he is, realm. like, like, his mind is on the outskirts of horror. Yes. Consistent. Gothic. Yeah. So, the, the, my first introduction to Batman was Batman 89 as a tiny little boy, um, and then, very shortly thereafter, Batman the Animated Series, and then uh, Tim Burton's Batman Returns. So that's, like, my, my earliest imprintation of Batman is that those two movies and that show. Yeah. And I, I, did, I did get into comic books. I did get into comic books when I was, like, five. But um, when I was probably, like, eight or nine, and I started reading comics, 
I was gifted Batman, uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns by a family member. Oh, damn. Yeah, and you know, like, that's not really a book for a nine-year-old. No! Yeah, it's really not. But no. I, I read that at nine, and that definitely imprinted on me in a big way. For, uh, for those listening who might not know, Frank Miller's um, The Dark Knight Returns from the 1980s. Yeah, uh, which is arguably, like, as far as, like, uh, that... As far as comics go, whenever, like, filmmakers are talking about, like, well, we we really wanted to make this grounded and dark, so we turned to the comics, and uh, the first one that we picked up was Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. so that's the one that always gets, uh... Always gets drops, yeah. ...referenced, mm-hmm. and, I mean, particularly, uh, I think probably the one, like, as far as physicality is concerned, the one that most resembles that is, uh... Ben Affleck. Yep, Ben Affleck, Zack Snyder's Batman was um, not really written exactly, like written in a way that was inspired by Frank Miller's Batman, but not really the same character, but physically, like exactly, yeah, exactly like him. I I could have uh, honestly, I could have cried when I saw the first picture of Ben Affleck in a bat suit. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. What was your uh, What was your take on Ben Affleck's Batman? I think that Ben Affleck, the actor, brought uh, brought it to the role. I think, like, I do not like Batman v Superman. Neither do I. Um, I didn't want to start on the negative. I uh, <laughs> I like Henry Cavill as Superman. I feel like he just hasn't been given the right material, but I mm-hmm. think he is he does what he has been what what he was supposed to do in those movies you mm-hmm. know what the material told him he was supposed to do i agree but i watched that movie and from the opening scene where superman and zod are just destroying metropolis and you see bruce wayne and you see that look on his face of it's like very good uh, the, it's very good dude he brought it and it brought it so fucking hard he brought it hard man. he brought it hard Hands down, I mean, it's. I'm not, you know, splitting any hairs when I say that he's the best part of that movie, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he was a great Batman. I thought he was a great Bruce Wayne because mm-hmm. he managed to be have that same like swagger that like Christian Bale uh, had when he's you know being his his playboy self out and about, but was still very very tormented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, very much like Robert Pattinson is in this new one, but he has the weight of not only his parents' deaths, but all the deaths that have happened afterwards, like Robin. And true, like it's that. true. You you get you got in that one. You got an old older Batman who had already been through it, and Ben brought the gravitas to that for sure. I thought so. It's one of those things. That's, it's weird for me because like I don't want. For one thing, I don't want to just be negative and be a hater, but for another thing, it's like, there's good things about that. I thought the costume design was perfect. I thought the, um, the, uh, the, what Ben brought to it was perfect. I thought the action scenes were well done, but ultimately, I think on a storytelling level, I think the movie falls very short of what a movie involving those characters deserves. Um, and I, I am big on on that so anyway um yeah but um but that that the dark knight returns definitely and and those other ones that was definitely where i I started on my batman journey 
yeah. now are you you know in the same camp that a lot of us are in where uh the animated series is probably the when when you're judging other batman stuff you're like well is it as good as the animated series you know yes uh i i just can't like my wife like bust my balls all the time really? for you know i have these giant box sets i have uh batman the animated series and i have batman begins which batman or beyond. batman beyond excuse me yes. there you go uh batman beyond which like i thought that i was in like a small camp with like it's like dude batman beyond is really good no nope. and then i realized like recently like it popped up on rotten tomatoes like the series is something like 90 percent on rotten tomatoes i'm like oh my god and the 10 percent are stupid <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm just being real. Like, it so, is if a you gave that show cool a negative show. review, you are a dork. Like, yeah, dude, it's yep. so well done. And then, it's like, awesome. uh, something... Blade Runner Batman. I love it yeah, very Blade much. Blade Runner Batman. Yeah, dude, that is a very, very good way of putting it. Yeah, God. I something came up recently. Like, I've been like watching all these Batman lists on um, uh, yeah. Watch Mojo, and something about. Um, darkest moments in batman i don't even remember if i finished this i remember like leaving off on uh do you remember uh the batman beyond movie where you find out that like tim Drake so got so, like yeah shot with like the joker serum mm -hmm. and became like little baby joker uh -huh. and was like losing his mind you're like fuck that's dark i i feel i feel unprepared for this pod because i didn't rewatch that movie and i haven't seen it in so long i haven't seen it in a hot but minute i remember that one like, being like uh, it's a dark it's cartoon, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then you know you have like something like uh, Mask of the Phantasm, where like, God. <laughs> okay, wait, okay. Can I can I go off for just a moment? Yes, please. So like, if anyone is listening to this this podcast, I want you to go and procure a copy of Mask of the Phantasm or get HBO Max. And I want you to put it on a big screen, and I want you to put away your phone. And if you're the kind of person that gets more out of movies by eating gummies, I want you to eat some gummies. <laughs> and I want you to sit there and watch that movie. I want you to forget that it's animated. I want you to forget that Batman's a character. And I want you to watch it as a film. It is way fucking better than a spinoff of a kid's cartoon has any right to be ever. It is, it is clearly inspired by Orson Welles. It is clearly inspired by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. The, the characters talk like they're in a fucking Billy Wilder movie. It's like it's like golden era fucking greatest directors of all time inspired. I'm not saying it's as good as those movies specifically, but it, it, it is channeling that energy in a big way. And um, it is a it is a rich, emotional, honest story, and it fucking slaps. Yeah. It's brilliant. Sorry. I, no, I no, love, I, I love that movie. I, love I it. I remember the first time I watched it because now if I can tap in really quick and we'll jump back to like my first yeah yeah uh, uh, like I saw that in theaters by the way yeah you see you were like one of the few yeah, like it, I saw it, Phantasm in theaters it, my dad straight up took me to the movies bombed like um, not bombed but didn't do as well as they had hoped failure. it yeah. would do which is is criminal mm -hmm. um, 
But my first uh, encounter with Batman is uh, fucking uh, 1960s Adam West, the Batman uh-huh. movie. Uh-huh. So to me, that was Batman. And Short that movie. was the only Batman I was allowed to watch. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch the cartoon because it was too dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember on a VHS copy of Free Willy, there was a preview for... Mask of the Phantasm, I remember it scared the shit out of me because the Phantasm just, like, it, it was just like a creepy, like, phantom that was, like, moving through the fog. and like It's like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I was, like, that? this little five-year-old kid yep. with very, very, like, limited exposure to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just remember watching the cartoon and just being, like, scared and thinking it was so cool, and I wanted to see it so bad, and of course I could not see it. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) So jump forward, uh, when I was in high school, uh, my, one of my brother's friends, like, we would go over to his house, and this is really, like, one of my first, like, times drinking, uh, like, they would all, like, hang out and have these parties, and they're all, like, people that were like in their mid 20s and mm-hmm. they were all super cool to me and I would just sit on the couch and drink like Bud Light and they uh-huh. would all be getting hammered yeah. and my my brother's friend his name is John and he's like my good friend now we we talk all the time um he uh let me borrow the Batman animated series because he had it all. So you were an adult. I was like I was a teenager okay. in, in, I didn't in know high that. school and I thought you liked it a little bit earlier than that. It was like life changing for mm-hmm. me because I got hooked on that mm-hmm. and then maybe a year later uh The Dark Knight came out. Yeah. So I yeah. became the biggest Batman fan in the span of like I mean, I'd always liked Batman ever since I was a kid. Sure. I like even like Sub Zero. My mom did let me see, did let me watch Sub Zero because it wasn't as dark as yeah, scary as yeah. Mister Freeze. Um, but yeah, I watched that and just was so so in love. And I think he spaced it out right where like he had me watch the first three season, which was Batman the animated series, and then the fourth season is. Uh, Batman the new animated yeah. series where they like Adventures they revamped continue. it and everything but I think he broke it up just right that when I finished like the second or third season whichever one whichever one it happens in between he had me watch Mask of the Phantasm and I remember being so excited mm-hmm. the little kid in me yeah and I throw this thing on and the by the opening titles mm-hmm. I was blown away because up comes this this choir like singing the Batman theme and it is probably one of the most epic like opening credit scenes in the world because it's just spanning through the the streets of Shirley Walker yes Shirley Walker just yeah fucking killed it destroyed it amazing amazing Mm -hmm. music amazing score and I just remember being floored because this is like I think it was a PG thirteen movie, if I remember right. It might have, or or is PG, but it was still. I think it was PG thirteen. I think it was. I think I remember. I think I remember actually noting that as a little boy. Yeah, because wondering why it would be, and then watching the movie and kind of being like, "Oh, that's why." Because people are getting 
killed, killed left and, and right. And, and battered and it's violent and Where, scary. Yeah. As in the animated series, they would always like fall off of something and then manage to like land on a boat something or something nice. like or that. Or land in or the Batman water. Or catch them, yeah, or something like that. Um, yeah. uh, but um, yeah, and then, you know, uh, like I said, after that, you know, I see the the dark knight and then my perception of acting and filmmaking is yeah. changed yeah. forever mm-hmm. after that movie mm-hmm. and you know i was talking to someone about this because i've been geeking out over the batman for the past week yeah um with yeah. all of my all my guy co workers like <laughs> like all of us like saw it on like thursday like mm-hmm. separately and then all like regrouped to talk about it like a couple of school school girls and my boss hadn't seen it and he was gonna go see it on monday and he's just like i'm gonna go see it on monday and then like <laughs> if monday night came and i'm like at work like working in the bar and like he comes over to me he's like super excited he's like all right man i'll see you tomorrow he's like i'm gonna go see batman right now i'm like oh my god dude yeah. he gets out of the movie i'm getting ready to go to bed <laughs> he shoots me a message he's like so good i'm like i fucking told you <laughs> um uh but um the the thing that I really like really liked about uh, Batman Begins was the that that teaser ending. I don't think there's been a better teaser for a, a no, villain yeah. ever yeah. than that scene on top of a building where Jim Gordon and Batman talk about escalation, and then he shows mm-hmm. him the Joker card, mm-hmm. and you're just like, fuck. Is gonna go down. I remember watching that in 2005 in the movie theater. Yeah, me too. And like freaking out. I wasn't even a crazy like like at this point in time like it was Batman. It was fucking cool. But again, I had not had my yeah my Batman Renaissance yet. So, but I remember still seeing the card and being like, dude, that's cool. Who are they gonna get? You know? Mm -hmm. And then just the, the I. It, I think we talked about this the last time where, like, like as far as, like, cultural movies and being alive and being, like, coherent enough. I think we talked about it with, yeah, like, yeah. Jurassic Park and The Matrix. Like, yeah, as far as... Those like, were movies that changed everything, yeah. Yeah, and that, like, I really had not gotten to experience one of those in the right. theater right. with the Whereas exception... That, seen, yeah, I think you had seen pretty much all of those yeah. and been able to, like, you know, if not in the moment, be able to look back and go, oh, yeah, I was part of something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing with The Dark Knight, while, like, I, that is probably, like, the big thing in my life, the big movie that I got to see it and be like, yeah, I was part of something special there. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with that was, we already knew. We already knew ahead of time that this was, like, going to be a game changer just from, like, yeah. those early yeah, trailers. We did. we did, yeah. You know? Sure. yeah. Um, Everyone did. It's kind, of, it's kind of weird to think back on that in that way. Um, everyone kind of did, which was funny because the... Um, Batman Begins had been considered a modest hit. Mm-hmm. You know, it had not been considered a a smash success. No, but somehow everyone knew that the Dark Knight was going to be. Well, I think it. You else. know, a lot of it all came back to the controversy with Heath, Heath Ledger. That's true. Um, with his casting and people like myself included being like, "What? Why? Why would you do that?" Right. 
like, why didn't you get, like, fucking Crispin Glover or one of the other people that they were throwing out at the time? They were like, oh, no, no, that would, person would be the Joker. They were throwing out Crispin Glover. I think that, I think that was one okay. that I remember seeing, like, one of the, you know, the old, like, Photoshop things, uh-huh. like, being pushed around the internet. And then, then the, the first teaser came out where you didn't see anything. You just mm-hmm. heard the Joker's laugh. And I just remember going... Oh my God! There's no way that's Heath Ledger. How could mm-hmm. that be? That sounds nothing like him, you know. And then the the trailer that came out uh, in front of I Am Legend that yeah. came out. Um, I remember going to see I Am Legend. Like I had read I Am Legend the book, which mm-hmm. is a great mm-hmm. book, and was excited to see that movie. But I was more excited to see, see the the, the Dark Knight yeah, trailer yeah, in front of I Am Legend, and that just remember just watching his performance in that trailer just being mm-hmm. like what the fuck yeah i mean love love jack nicholson but he is Same. jack nicholson yeah as the joker yeah you know whereas heath ledger is that character and everyone will always be compared to him mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely and it's funny because jack nicholson you know, for the kids listening to this who don't know, Jack Nicholson was a god. Mm-hmm. He was Hollywood royalty in the biggest kind of way. He was Jack Nicholson of Chinatown. Yes. He was Jack Nicholson of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. You know what I mean? He was not some fucking, like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, like, no. The Shining, too. Yeah, the Shining. Shining. I'm sorry, The Shining, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if we're going over movies here, yeah. He, was, he wasn't just Jack Nicholson. In 1989, when they did that movie, he was Jack fucking Nicholson. Yes. The king. And so it was actually, the perception was that Heath Ledger was stepping into shoes that were too big for him. Yes. That was the general perception. I was like, bro, you're going to take up, like, you're going to take up the Joker after Jack Nicholson. Good luck, homie. Yeah. Good luck. And then Heath Ledger just fucking put on his big boy pants and, God, showed the world. I think that, you know, there's always, like, greatest villain lists. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Darth Vader usually ends up topping that. And, um, Darth is a good one. And, you know, like uh, Norman Bates and stuff like sure. that. Um, and Joker's usually up there. But, like, as far as, like, performances mm-hmm. for, like, a villain, like, the, the legit performance and, like, what it would have to... What went into that performance, I honestly cannot think of a more dedicated performance of a villain. Yeah. You know, from one solo actor. Again, someone mm-hmm. like Vader, you know, is multiple actors yep. bringing one character to life. Mm-hmm. Um, even someone like Norman Bates, like you have like the mother being a different voice. You mm-hmm. have, you know, uh, I do believe, I don't think it was, uh, I could be completely wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't um, Anthony Perkins during the the shower sequence. It wasn't him as the yeah. actor doing mm-hmm. uh, doing that that part. I could be wrong about that. Um, but still, like as far as like, I, I mean, obviously someone like you know uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins as yeah. Uh, Hannibal Hannah Lecter, yeah. which is, you know, nice. probably, like, I would say, like, he's always within the top three. Yeah, like, absolutely. And maybe, like, he could be even more impressive because he has something, like, 
five minutes of screen time, and that mm -hmm. won him a best actor well award. Well You're like, too. what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, but did you, did you come away from that movie knowing he had such little screen time? No, I didn't. No, that's something that you have to find out he, on the he internet. He chews up the whole movie with that little uh -huh. screen time, and it yeah. is, God, yeah, God, it's good. Yep. It's, <laughs> that's a movie that <clears throat> that like I just don't think about often mm -hmm. enough uh, obviously it took me it's how long did this conversation to bring I, that I up? think it's fun that we actually came to that naturally though because i think that that's a movie that um that the batman that we're eventually going to get to i think drew some inspiration from that so. well now that like we're here mm -hmm. on that like let's let's dive into it because i feel so, like we've had uh, enough of a warm-up and i don't think it's any secret how we feel about the movie and to be to be clear we have not discussed this yeah we haven't we, we, we haven't actually given each other our thoughts on the movie yet, yeah so. um all all he did was message me after his first view and say that he couldn't wait to talk to me about it and i responded with well if that's not a glowing review i don't know what is <laughs> so um it's definitely one of those movies that I went into going like, I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, how could I not? Because yep. as we've talked about before, like just from the trailers and everything, I was like, they got him right. Mm -hmm. They finally got Batman right. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, he had never been angry enough. He had never been just like, he had never been Kevin Conroy, like fucking I am the night motherfuckers. Yep. Like, I'm going to scare the shit out of you. I'm going to beat the shit out of you, you know? Yeah. And I feel like they really, really went balls to the walls for that on this. But I digress. Tell me what you thought about this movie. <sighs> well, baby steps. <laughs> right. No, this is, this is a tough conversation. I want to put out, like, a quick, like, uh, a quick, um, like general review? Or? No, I like a like a. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I, I'm usually much more articulate than this. Um, I want to point something out, and that's that I think that um, a lot of people, when they discuss film, there's always a this or that. Which one's better? Um, the internet culture has created a lot of that. Like, if this isn't better than that, then it's not good. Yes. And that really pisses me off. I think that's a bullshit way to to experience art. Yes. And uh, especially film. Um, I remember specifically, actually, uh, James Gunn had been very hurt when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 got kind of mi more middling reviews than the first one, and he posted a review where a, a film critic had talked about how people giving it a negative review because it wasn't as good as the first one did not understand film critique, because that's not how film critique works, and you guys don't know how to do your jobs. Like an older film critic. And I was like, hell yeah, man. Um, so I think that this movie, right from jump, will unfairly and constantly be compared to The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. And I think that people <clears throat> should give that some context and understand that The Dark Knight is one of the coolest fucking... Like, not just coolest. It's one of the best blockbuster films ever made. It's at the very, very top of the mountain. And so if you even think there's a conversation there, you're heaping enormous praise on this movie. Yes. Um, I feel like a lot of people try to undercut this movie by being like, well, it wasn't as good as The Dark Knight. It's like, whether or not you agree with that, and... Yeah fucking and like yeah. what, what what's that even mean i remember uh um someone recently saying uncharted wasn't as good as raiders of the lost ark and i was like no shit you fucking idiot like like <laughs> and like i didn't i didn't actually care for that movie so much but i just thought that was the stupidest point to start of like well it wasn't as good as this perfect movie and it's like okay so anyway i wanted to get that out of the way and just say that like whether or not someone thinks that this is like 
the greatest Batman movie ever made doesn't really matter. What matters is how good of a movie this is. All of that said, I think this is the greatest Batman movie ever made. So before we go any further, I like my words to uh, my wife and my brother-in-law and Brian, who uh-huh. uh, came separately. So he had already like walked away from us at this point when we uh-huh. left the theater. We were walking back to the car. So to my wife and my brother-in-law, I like walked out and was like, I think that was the best Batman movie mm-hmm. about Batman uh-huh. that has been put to live action cinema. Yep, it is. So in, in, in our in our opinion, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's elaborate on that. Well, so I love the Dark Knight. I think it's perfect in many ways. I can I can nitpick it, but like. When you're someone who actually creates art, you 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 know. I don't, that sounds super arrogant. I don't mean it like that. I just mean that like talking to you. Like you actually like create art. You know, I actually create art. You know that anything can be nitpicked. So like Absolutely. being being able to nitpick something that's great doesn't really change its greatness. So I think from like a realistic standards point of view, I think The Dark Knight is pretty much perfect. But The Dark Knight is like a Michael Mann movie. Yes. It's like Heat, but Batman and the Joker happen to be in it. Yes. The Batman is like. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this movie, what's it like? Well, it's like Batman, and I can point out a lot of cinematic influences, and I'm going to, but it feels like a Batman movie. It feels very much like um, Batman Year One, Frank Miller's Batman Year One, which is, in my opinion, actually his best Batman comic. I don't think it's The Dark Knight Returns. I think it's Year One. I would agree with you on that. And I think it's very reminiscent of The Long Halloween, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Yes, I and um, and it feels like it feels like Batman. Like it feels like like it's actually influenced by the the actual character Batman. Yes, it doesn't feel like a Hollywood apologist. I'd really probably rather be making a thriller movie, but they'll let me make it if I put Batman in it. Not to say that I think that um that's Christopher Nolan per se, but as an example, or like um. What's his face making the Joker? And really, what he wanted to do was a Scorsese riff. He wanted to riff on King of Comedy. He wanted to riff on Taxi Driver. And he was like, "Well, if I put Joker in it, they'll let me do my Scorsese riff movie." And I love that movie. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But this felt unapologetically like Batman, and it it felt like the animated series. It felt like the best, most influential Batman comics that that you and I think of when we think of Batman. And not everyone will agree with us on us on those, but um. To me, those are like the comics I think of. It felt like that to me. And it felt like somebody doing that while also trying to to achieve real greatness as a, like from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah, I was thinking about Matt Reeves. I was listening to uh, Batman soundtrack when I was on my run a couple mm-hmm. of days ago, and I was thinking about Matt Reeves, and I was like, that poor guy has just been under the shadow of other people with all these great movies he's made. I was like, for his whole career, man. Yeah, all of it. His whole fucking career. Like, if you think about it, like, like, think how many people know that Matt Reeves directed Cloverfield? Only movie nerds. Like, everyone thinks of that movie and they think of J.J. Abrams. Abrams. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. That movie was written by Drew Goddard. Yes. And directed by Matt Reeves. And it fucking slaps. It's like the best monster movie since mm-hmm. probably the original Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and 
Then his next stab w was the uh, criminally underrated remake of Let the Right One In. Yep. Um, Let Me In. Let Me In, which I think they should have just kept the original title because yep. that's a better, better title. Better title. Yep. But his direction in that is just so masterful. I can I can I can I do a Mia Culpa real yes. quick? I actually didn't give that movie the op the chance to deserve. Even I remember though, that. Yeah, I remember okay, you, you and Nick yeah, yeah, talked right, about this with right. me. Yeah. Yeah. Full. Yeah. So full disclosure, he remembers this. Um, I had watched Let the Right One In with uh, Nick and another friend of mine, um, and it had ended up being a pretty memorable evening, and we really loved the movie. And it kind of became special to us. Yes. So when Let Me In came out, I didn't have any affinity for Matt Reeves because everyone thought of. Cloverfield is J.J. Abrams' movie, so I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a Matt Reeves movie. And so I didn't give it an honest chance when I watched it. But looking back, literally just watching trailers of it and seeing the direction in it, and then hearing other people talk about it, I'm like, uh, the movie was probably really good, and I was just being a sourpuss because I, I like the European version, the original. From my take on it, they're, they're both very, very, like, equal uh -huh. As far as like the filmmaking aspect goes, and they're both like obviously amazing films. Um, I do believe there is an emotional aspect that's a little bit more tender in the Matt Reeves oh, version. Really? Okay. Um, but again, that's just another one, another example of like, well, no one gave this man his due credit because he was doing a, a remake, mm -hmm. and then he jumped on the Planet of the Apes. But he came on the sequels. That's right. And, uh, um, excuse me, so there was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, there was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which is the one he jumped on. And then That's there right. was War of the Planet of the Apes. War of now, the two sequels are better than the first one. And the first one's pretty damn good. I but wholeheartedly agree. Those movies are really freaking good. But, again, his direction is overshadowed and probably rightly so by any service performance. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to 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 you know like really you know give give be upset about that. But like those are beautiful, well-made, well-told stories. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, like like this is like his his time to shine because as much as like People are talking about Pattinson's performance and this, that, or the other. Like, everyone is talking about Matt, Matt Reeves' Reeves. Batman movie. Yep, that's right. Like, and... Rightfully so. And the attention to detail and, like, the, one of the be best compliments that, like, can be said about this movie is that, like, Gotham itself is a character. Like, it is a part of the story. More so than, like any other film and that would not have been the case in the hands of a less dedicated director absolutely you know absolutely. um and i would say that is my biggest gripe with the two sequels in the nolan trilogy batman begins gets it fucking right it dude. does it that's does. fucking begins. okay so and we're jumping around here a little bit just it is gonna this. happen just saying this is gonna um, happen Batman Begins feels like, and you know how much I love Batman Begins, like, and I love, I love Christopher Nolan's whole fucking trilogy. Yes. But, um, 
I love Batman Begins. And in that movie, it feels like a truly heightened reality. Gotham feels like Gotham. There's a there's an under Gotham. You know what I mean? There's like an under streets and like over streets and like shit that doesn't really exist. Um, and there's uh, there is even though he did he did keep like future tech in all the movies. There's a machine that can evaporate water from the the systems and that movie felt very comic booky. Yeah. So much so that I I actually expected before we saw the trailers I expected the Dark Knight and and whatever he did after that I expected that to go very comic booky. I expected Ra's al Ghul to show back up like oh, I went to the Lazarus Pit and I'm alive again and I expected that. I was kind of shocked when we saw. Um, Gotham, and it's just like Chicago, or like, yes. or like Pittsburgh. Um, was it Pittsburgh or was it Philadelphia? It's Pittsburgh, and I was just like, this just looks like a normal city. It's a little weird. And then when we when we went and, and Johnny and I actually went and saw The Dark Knight Rises together ten years ago. God um, damn. Yeah, ten, ten years ago. That was that was us yeah. catching that movie on opening night. Us with. A bunch, like our girlfriends, our buddies, like we all went. Um, God, what a caravan. show, too. What yeah. a good show. We, we caravanned and we watched that. And in that movie, it's just like, oh, it's like New York. Yeah. And that was actually, even though I love those movies and I, I continue to, that was a big disappointment for me. Yeah. I, uh, I felt very much the same way as you in regards to that. I remember when they jumped to the Dark Knight and finding out, like, uh, through the interweb that, like, uh, the Joker was going to be putting on makeup. And mm. I remember being very disappointed, being like, what do you mean? Why would you put on makeup? Yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't seem right at all. And I mean, obviously, like, in retrospect, it's probably one of the coolest interpretations that they've done. Oh, no, he, the he's an incredible interpretation of character, yeah. Um, and I, I love that aspect that it's just some crazy guy that, you know, did this to his face sort of a deal. Uh, or had done to him. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, another great... Yep. Use of, you know, yep. his, his backstory. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just remember that they never, and I mean, maybe it's cause the, the, the narrows is where a good chunk of Batman begins yeah. takes place, which is Gotham in my mind. Yep. Um, and then the rest of the movies just take place in fucking skyscrapers and yep. billionaires, you know, yep. penthouse suites. Yep. And you're like, all right. What what are we saving here? We're saving rich people. We're yep. saving like you don't like you get a little bit of that element in in the the Dark Knight Rises where mm -hmm. you kind of are down on the streets and stuff like that. But like you don't feel like you're like Batman is fighting for anything other than rich people. Yeah, and again, that's kind of like. And his ego. Yeah. And like, yeah. Harken back to like that, you know, Selena Kyle says, you know, like you think all this can last with like you and your friends and shit like that. One of my favorite moments in the movie. Um, and, you know, we find ourselves going particularly like average people like us going like, yeah, fuck those guys, man. <laughs> and right there, you have a big problem. Yep. Uh, because yeah. like, you're like, yeah, fuck it. Bane, your plan makes absolutely you, zero you know, sense, Bane, but... Yeah. I don't hate everything you're doing, bro. You're, I would go about it differently. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just, I don't know, have a plan that makes sense. If you're going to blow up Gotham, 
it's weird to wait like six months and then do it right when Batman shows up. Love that movie the more I watch it because the plot holes just get bigger, bigger and time. bigger and I'm just like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever it's, seen. It's one of those things where like Christopher Nolan learned that he had goodwill with fans and he could get away with small plot holes, which is okay. Yeah. Small plot holes in good movies are necessary, and I think we'll actually talk about a few more as we move forward. Like, there's some small plot holes in The Dark Knight. I don't give a shit. Yeah. If someone tries to tell me it's a bad movie because of the small plot holes, I'm like, you're stupid. Well, yeah, there you like you kind of go like, well, how did the Joker get uh-huh. all of those fucking cans of gasoline uh-huh. on the boat without anybody? No, okay. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> he came out of the bank in a school bus and got between these two school buses and neither of the people in either of those school buses was like, wait a minute, you just drove out of a blown-up bank. You're not part of this. So he, he figured out that he could um, that he could get away with yes. these plot holes and then he just like went off the rails. Dude, movie. yeah, like you know? there are just uh, uh, so many. <laughs> Even to like the, the, the simple ones, you're like, how the fuck did you get electricity in that goddamn pit for him <laughs> to right. watch TV? That's right. Like, what? Well, wait a minute. That's a pit in the middle of a desert. Like, yeah. that doesn't even make Where, sense. What are you doing? You bring in a whole <laughs> generator and none of those prisoners are going to take it apart. Bruce, you're going to escape and then knock over a rope to let all those crazy prisoners out. <laughs> Good batman <laughs> uh, Batman's like, I've changed my mind. <laughs> fuck the police. <laughs> But yes, like this, like film, like got Gotham right. I mm-hmm. mean, like the one thing that like took me, like I took a step back and was like, "What the fuck is Bruce Wayne's mansion, dude?" Yeah. Like I was like, "What the fuck does he live in a goddamn like museum? What's yep. going on here?" I was it's like, a, "It's a it's a Tim Burton museum, dude." Yeah. That's what I was like, dude. Yeah. This like. Tim Burton got a hard on watching that. Yep. Just you like, know, what dude. the fuck did he just do? I mean, do? I'm pretty sure he got a hard on watching that whole movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. It was so, like, just the setting, the atmosphere. It's always dark. It's always raining. What did you think about the fact that we barely see Bruce Wayne in this movie? That it's just Batman. I... And, well, sorry, before no, I... Please, before I please. Like, the more direction you give me, the better job I'll do here. I had... I watched a review of a guy that, like, I really enjoy his reviews. I don't agree with him on everything, which makes it fun for me to watch. Do you mind plugging him, just in case I know who you're talking about? Uh, his name is Jeremy Johns, and okay. he's, he's uh, like, got thousands of followers. Yeah, he's, he's a big... He's a big yeah, time guy. And, oh. and I like his stuff quite a bit. Um, his... Uh, um interpretation of Bruce Wayne he wasn't a fan of like how Bruce Wayne was just so mopey and didn't have the persona of the playboy and charismatic and and his argument was like well like if anybody's looking to see who fucking Batman might be then it's probably the billionaire that's like okay. fucking pissed off so, okay. and so, like I like that I agreed with. I was like, yeah, that would probably be my first fucking see, guess, too. I think that's fun and funny. Yes. I, I was watching, uh, uh, not exactly a review. Have you heard of uh, The Weekly Planet? I can't say I have. There are a couple of Australian guys, and they do they do mu- uh, movies, TV shows, video games, um, and comic books. And they are a couple of Australian gentlemen that are just great. It's, it's kind of like, I think, what you and I would wish we could be in a podcast. Because they're just like... Very good friends having a great time, but like you're always laughing with them. You're never like out of the loop. They're really good. Anyway, I love that. They he was talking about it. And he was like, 
who is this physically fit and super emo Bruce Wayne who is almost certainly Batman? <laughs> and I'm like, that is, that, that is what you would, okay, like I get yes. that. But, but think about how we give billionaires in real life license to act like fucking weirdos. Yes. And I think it fits a little bit more there. And then when you recognize that, that Matt Reeves was really, really trying to ground this as the most real story he could, which is another interesting dichotomy from the Christopher Nolan movies because we thought of those as real. This brought even brought you down further down to earth and more into reality, where he's in a bathroom in like a in a, like a gas station bathroom putting makeup what? on his eyes. It's great. That, it's dude. amazing. And so this so this brings us even more into reality, where we have a billionaire acting weird is something that people will put up with because he's a billionaire. He's he's good looking he's famous like you're just gonna kind of let him be weird and no one's really gonna think too much about it but i thought the choice to have him be the way that he was and this sort of kurt cobaini doomed rock star character i thought it worked great because batman interpreted as a real person and i i am aware that batman's not real and i'm i'm a huge proponent of when people go that's not realistic and being like well it's not fucking real life motherfucker this is a movie so get over it but when you're trying to ground the emotional stakes in reality and you're trying to make realistic characters, um, I, Batman, Bruce Wayne didn't die in the alley with his parents. He was destroyed. He was a little boy who had parents that he loved very much and he watched them gruesomely murdered. And it, it, it broke him in a way that it would. And it changed him. And um, not to get too deep on, like, psychology and stuff here, but, like, the way PTSD works is that people very much will respond to their surroundings and will become a certain kind of way. Like, you'll, you'll notice a lot of veterans, like, drive, like, really, like, like veteran soldiers drive, like, very big trucks and, like, want to let you know that they have guns and things like that. That's actually, like, that actually makes a lot of sense just from, like, a human behavior standpoint. Um, because of what they've dealt with, they're responding to it. And it makes sense that a little boy whose parents were killed in a scary dark alley would become a dark alley. It makes sense. He's responding to his environment. So, like, psychologically speaking, like, and I'm not a social scientist. This is just, like, based on my understanding of what I've read and stuff. So, if I'm wrong, please go ahead and tell me I'm wrong. But my understanding is that that's, like, a real phenomenon and that it actually makes sense. So, for him to be this brooding, angry, isolated, disconnected person who's focused on like on responding to that trauma at all times because that trauma is always with him i think it just makes sense i think it works i think him as batman works and th there's that cliche like batman's the real him bruce wayne is the mask and i think people get that confused what that means is that playboy bruce wayne is the mask yes not that bruce wayne who's alone at home with alfred and dick grayson that's not a mask yeah but it's the public persona is a mask i agree with that but but Bruce Wayne is supposed to be a human being. Yeah. And so the idea that he's this type of human being, and especially if you take Batman as like what he considers his real identity, then his, his behavior in the movie totally makes sense to me. Yeah, see, I was very much of the mindset that, um, like, in this particular, at this particular point in his career, which uh, the uh, Jeremy Johns guy like said, he's like, I'm pretty sure Batman at this point has been Batman for two years, has been Batman for just about the same amount of time 
as Christian Bale was Batman in the Nolan in, in universe. Entirety, yeah. Yes. In entirety, yeah. And, uh, I was like, oh man, that's a fucked up way to think about that, actually. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> the way that I looked at it, it was like, he, like, like if you want to, like, put it to its, its most basic terms, he hasn't figured that out yet. Yeah. What I thought watching it was that, and he says this, like, he says this multiple times, like, to Alfred and to um, Selena Kyle that, like, he just doesn't care. Yeah. Like, this, and, I mean, he says it in, in his narration, too, that all he cares about is just being Batman. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, and you see it, like, you see it in the the interrogation room with the Riddler mm-hmm. when the Riddler says his name and he thinks the Riddler figured out who he was. Yep. He just has a moment of where he just kind of lets out a breath and is just waiting. Yep. And then yep. he realizes the Riddler doesn't exactly know who he is yep. or isn't letting on that he knows who he is. Right. And then he's just talking about Bruce Wayne, the orphan. Right. And mm-hmm. then he he dials it back in. But in those moments, he's like, all right, the jig's up. Yep. yep. You know? I, and I, I really like that moment. And... For him, like, I think it's not, uh, at this stage in the game, it is not what Christian Bale's Batman was doing, which, like, you know, ironically, like, Christian Bale had this, like, long-term plan. Robert Pattinson's Batman is like, dude, I could fucking die tonight. I don't care. I'm going to go out there and beat the shit out of some people yep. in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's trying to make a difference, and he's not even sure he's making a difference, but this is all he has, and this is all he cares about. So I see that in that character, and I go, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck about yeah. no. really hiding his his identity. No, no, not really. No, not not in the not same what way. It's about. Like he's not planning to get caught, but yeah, in, in in the way you're you're describing it, I agree with you. Yeah, that like he's just concerned about doing the job. Mm-hmm. He's not because he doesn't have anyone to protect right like or at least in his mind he doesn't then when everything happens with alfred that he ends learns. up mm-hmm. changing his his mind on that that note did you think it was a little weird that there's a little like uh fucking nanny running around the so can i just tell you like fucking no <laughs> um i thought like at first i was like who the fuck is this and i was like okay i've never heard of this but at the same time like Kind of makes it sense. It makes sense. So, okay, so I just want to say this, and it, it's something that actually has always irritated me when people talk about Alfred. Um, butlers don't cook or clean or any of that at all. Yes. They don't tend to the garden. They don't do that. Butlers maintain your schedule. Like, if it, like in a real rich household that has a butler, the butler knows when the kids have, which kid has soccer, which kid has football, which kid has cheer, which kid has karate, they know what time the guests are coming over on Sunday. They know who has the food allergy. They know when your doctor's appointment is. They know when your chiropractor appointment is. That's what a butler does. A butler is the general manager of the household because yeah. these are wealthy households that have staffs. The butler is the timekeeper and the general manager. They are not a do-everything person. Yes. So the idea of – and also, like, the idea of Alfred just, like, constantly, like, going around cleaning up after Bruce Wayne and making him little sandwiches annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. Because, like, what the fuck, man? He's a grown-ass man. Like, knock it off. So I don't. I actually don't mind them taking the, the, the stance that, like, Alfred is not, like, his little nanny 
he's yeah i actually like again mm-hmm. like it caught me off guard but the more yeah. i thought about it i was like that's different and it's refreshing mm-hmm. because it makes fucking sense mm-hmm. like what you're saying like uh, particularly with their approach to alfred which is right someone who taught him how to fight which is like the alfred pennyworth like backstory this guy was like in fucking wars and was yeah, a spy and yeah, shit he, yeah, he yeah, knows his yeah. shit yeah he's a real he's and a real one so Alfred like is. they him being like this scarred up dude that's mm-hmm. like and I felt like they got really, really close with the 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 Jeremy Irons, mm-hmm. Alfred. I liked him as I hated, Alfred. I hated the age difference there. The like, age difference was bullshit. Like, oh, that he's he's not like as old as he should be. Basically, they 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 like the way my okay. So I was watching it with my sister, and they were having that moment where they are first like it's both of their heads in the screen at the same time. And um, my sister goes, you know, they look more like they went to high school together than like one guy raised the other guy. Yes. And I'm like, yeah. And that's yeah. T- for me, that's a problem. Like, um, what's his face is, um, I'm sorry. The guy who played Alfred in this movie is Andy Circus, the great Andy Circus. Andy Circus is more than 20 years older than Robert Pattinson, yeah. so I, I do like that distinction more. But anyway, yeah. but I I liked this that. I I thought that Michael Caine might have been too soft. Yeah. And their their dynamic, as great as it is, and their banter and all that, I really do like that. I do. I was gonna say I like I like Michael Caine's offer quite a bit. I like all of that, mm-hmm. but I liked I liked the Alfred that is probably more critical. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still going to keep your secrets. I'm not going to fucking let goddamn Vicky Vale into the fucking Batcave. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to constantly tell, like, Bruce Wayne that, like, hey, why don't you go bang this photographer chick that, like, you know, you've had over once and, you know, you fucking got her drunk and you I didn't was, get drunk. I, and, yeah, and, it's and, a little problem there. <laughs> it's a little problematic in any retrospect, isn't it? But I, I, one thing I liked about that and why that worked for me is because the emotional core of that is just that Alfred really wants him to be happy. Yes. Um, but I, I get what you're saying. And I, I think that this, this Andy Circus Alfred was not, didn't have a ton of screen time. And it's interesting because you have a three-hour movie, but a lot of characters that didn't have a ton of screen time because there's just that much story to tell. Uh-huh. But, but I thought he really hit a lot of great notes, and I really yes. liked the relationship. And I think that people who don't like the relationship are maybe not reading the subtext so well. Yeah. Like, when Bruce is like, you're not my father, like, that's not just, like, a casual line. That's – Bruce Wayne is a fucking idiot, and he's a dick, and he's telling the guy who actually raised him yes. that he's not his father. Yeah. And it's a really mean, hurtful thing to say. Yes. And it matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think a lot of people don't pay attention as much to like story structure and what's being told. Something I love about Matt Reeves is that Matt Reeves, it, as a filmmaker, he's a writer. Yes. He gets how stories really work. He gets the architecture of stories. And that was, you know, that was an important moment. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you because I remember watching that just being like, what the fuck? Fuck, yeah. Bruce! Like, what a shitty thing to say. What the you fuck, man? Yeah. And then, like, yeah. I've heard it referenced a couple of times. They're like, oh, yeah, emo Batman saying, oh, Alfred, you're not my dad. I'm like, 
Like, maybe they're just writing it bad, like, whatever, you know, like, right up they're doing of the movie or whatever they're saying it, like, they're doing it very offhanded. Maybe they get it. But I was like, that's not that what's that happening mm-hmm. there. It's not, you know, Bruce Wayne being emotional. It's Bruce Wayne, like, like being pissed, being angry, and mm-hmm. wanting to hurt the only person that really gives a fuck about right. him. Right. The only person he's really got for real. Because he's yeah. so angry and he thinks in his mind that if he has no one, it's going to make him better at what he's doing. Exactly. Um, Batman's human attachments are a weakness. Yeah, and that's the thing. is they're, they're writing him like that in this movie, and I think it's super effective. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's great. Yeah. So that leads us to the original question. How do you feel about so much Batman and so little Bruce Wayne. Great. Right? I feel great about it. <laughs> look, I, look, I, okay, I am a comic book nerd. I am also a film nerd. But I'm a comic book nerd, and guess what? Most of the time in the comics, he's dressed up as Batman, and he's doing Batman shit. The whole Bruce Wayne, like, 70% of the time stuff is mostly in the movies. Yeah, it's well, mostly that's... actors who don't want to be out, who want to be out of the suit because the suits are uncomfortable and hard to act in. And I think the studio execs pay, being like, well, we're paying all this money for this actor, so we should probably show their face. face. Uh-huh. Um, and that's another reason that I fucking love Robert Pattinson, because yeah. I do find him to be... At least on the outset, I'm sure there's plenty of ego there, but he just seems to be someone who is dedicated to the craft a yeah. lot more than he's dedicated to himself, his persona. And he, I see a lot of different things where, like, I don't know if you ever watched the, the funny GQ hot dog commercial thing. I love it. Right? I love like, that. Who I, I, the fuck I, would just put their, like... Okay, you know that that's his, like, he made that, right? Yes. Like, he wrote that and made that. That's who he actually is. Yes. And so I think there's this perception of Robert Pattinson, and maybe we need to get on Robert Pattinson for a second here. Um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too far. No, no, please. I, I'm, I'm all about it. I think there's a, there's a perception of Robert Pattinson that he's this good-looking, suave, rich person. And, like... No shit, all of that's true. But, like, Robert Pattinson is, by all accounts, a very humble, kind of silly, nervous person. Yes. Like, he has he has very real self-esteem and, and anxiety issues that are, like, very real. He doesn't really like talking about them because they're very real. He The idea of doing shirtless scenes early in his career caused him great anxiety. He hated that they made him take off his shirt in Twilight. Um... And he's a a goofy kind of silly person who is at his core an artist. Yeah. He is a musician and an actor, and now he's trying to be a writer also uh, and a producer. But he's a musician and an actor, and, and in his heart of hearts, that dude is an artsy, goofy, artsy kid who wants to do artsy shit. And he he doesn't act like he didn't get into acting for money. He got into acting for the art. Yeah, and then once he got the bag doing Twilight, and this isn't just like me talking out of my ass. Walk, look at his filmography. Once he got the bag, they were offering him high-paying roles as like the love interest in whatever, and he was like, "No, no, thank you. I'm gonna go be in uh, the Rover, and I'm gonna play like a slow Southern kid, and I'm gonna be in the Lost City of Z in like a part where people won't even recognize me." Because his beard is covering my face, and I'm like the fourth most important character in the movie. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm going to be in good time with the Safdie brothers, where they probably were only, to pay, only able to pay me like a small fraction of what I could have gotten in any other movie because I want to actually like throw up a performance, you know? Yeah. Um, that's who the guy is. And that is the kind of actor... I, I mean, isn't that the kind of actor we want for like basically anything that's actually trying to be good? Yes. Like, don't we want people like that? Paul, Paul Dano, too. Like, you have these guys who are like actual artists and it means something to them to, to elevate these performances. Um, and I, I think that just this perception of him as this, like, the, the, the Twilight boy, or as this pretty boy, uh, you're really missing um, what's really there. And anyone that, that is, is hesitant about the guy, like, I implore you to watch his other movies, because yeah. he fucking kills it, like, over and over and over again in completely different roles consistently. Yes. And um, he brings that same kind of passion and dedication, in my opinion, to this movie. Um, you know, everyone was talking about how he wouldn't show up in shape because he joked about not working out for the movie. He clearly worked out for the movie. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, and he clearly brought his A game. Like, he wasn't... Um, he was, in my opinion, the most believable Batman. Yeah, well... <clears throat> Talk to like someone about it, like now they're like, well, you know, you like looked looked at his back and he looked all shredded, and then you looked at him from the front and he, you know, didn't look, you know, like super ripped. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, yes, that, to an extent that's true, but I was like, he's also like what I would consider to be a fairly strong, scrawny guy. And then I was like looking at him and I was like, he's big there, like yeah. he's big for like he put on some muscle. And he's not jacked like um, Christian Bale, like like Christian Bale or Ben Affleck, but and I mean this is this is an issue that we've talked about where one of our friends was upset about the fact that he was not as big as what he's described in the comics, which is you know like two hundred plus pounds mm -hmm. and whatnot, and just shredded and. In my mind, again, this kind of goes back to the type of story that they're telling. Like, you're not going to get this guy who is dedicated, like, all his, his nights mm -hmm. to, like, going out and fighting. And he's even saying that he, like, barely gets any sleep, that he doesn't know the difference between, like, day and night. It right. all blends together you, at this you, point. You get the impression that he, like, doesn't remember to eat, and then Alfred has to kind of put food in front of him. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is not a guy who's just, like, spending his off time lifting weights yeah. and trying yeah. to get shredded. <laughs> if you're listening to this, if you've ever tried to get big and jacked, you know that that is not how it's it, done. It yeah. takes uh, an obscene amount of effort mm -hmm. and concentration. And not just in the weight room. Like, outside no. of the weight room, you have yes. to continue that effort with your diet, with your sleep. Yes, yeah. all of those things. Mm -hmm. So if you are not eating, you are not sleeping, and you're not lifting weights, I'm not sorry, you're Affleck. not going to be no way. like fucking Ben Affleck in, mm -hmm. you know, Batman v Superman. It's mm -hmm. just not going to happen. Absolutely. And also, the big thing that we talked about with, like, you know, like, it's cool in a comic book, yeah, that Batman weighs 200 pounds, and he's jacked, and he's shredded, and he's this big, hulking beast. But you cannot do the type of combat that Batman does if you are like this. Like, yep. your body just doesn't physically allow it. Go look at any, like, major bodybuilder and see how far they can, you know, turn their neck. I mean, it's kind of, you know, ironic because men are Batman turn head. their head anyway, No, no, you know what? You know what? If you want a good example of this, look up um, 
It's an old video from when Conor McGregor was fighting at 145. Look up him sparring with the mountain from Game of Thrones. Look that up. It's, it's Conor McGregor pieces that dude easy. And he's, it looks like a little boy fighting a grown man, but he's, he's having his way with him quite easily because yes. that, that amount of size, unless you're a very weird type of person is not conducive to combat period. And also like, we're not talking about like Brock Lesnar getting in a UFC cage and beating one guy. We're talking about going throughout the night and getting into fights with multiple people on and on and on and on. Yes. Developing the kind of endurance that it would take to do that, the kind of stamina, you couldn't be carrying around too much excess muscle mass. Yes. No, not even a little bit. And I say this as a mixed martial arts hobbyist, I'm not a fighter, who carries extra muscle mass. So it's it's not in my best interest to be to be anti-muscle, but like the reality, if you want to win like over and over and over again fighting people throughout in a night and night in and night out is you wouldn't be able to be a hulking person. There's just too much oxygen that those muscles need. Your heart can't pump that much yes. no matter what kind of shape you're in. And another thing on, on that physique is people might look, I've actually, I had, I've had people tell me that someone Pattinson's build would, no matter the amount of training or, or prowess in fighting, would lose to just like a bigger guy who, who worked out. And I just want to let everyone know that's patently false. Yes. That is not true. I, I have kids in my gym who are 17 years old who have the same build as Pattinson, but like 40 pounds lighter. And if you don't believe me, you can come to my gym and they'll knock your head off. Yeah. Um, the idea that a, that a, that a thinner, thinner but muscular long guy with an incredible high degree of skill and athleticism couldn't beat up bigger dudes is absolutely absurd and there's like a thousand videos on the internet to prove otherwise yeah i mean speaking from experience when i did a little bit of boxing back yeah. in the day i was at the time probably around uh, close to around the biggest i'd ever been i was you know again yeah. the fucking dark knight rises had come out that's so right I wanted that's to right be, you were I, yeah I you were Tom Hardy, I wanted to be Bane. A ton so. of resistance training, yeah. Um, and so, like, I was always striving to hit that, uh, to hit two bills, and like it, like one night it happened. One night I stepped on the scale and I was two hundred pounds. It was gone the next day, but you know I had it. You were really lean though. Yeah, you were really lean though. If you would let yourself get a little bit of fat, you would have. Yeah. Been. A, well, it's because yeah. all the fucking boxing training I was doing That's on true. top of the That's weight true. training. That's true. Um, I to walking all over town. But yeah. Um, yeah, that was the thing. I'd run from one end of town to the other to go to the boxing gym, and then, train, and then yeah, run, run back. back yeah. <laughs> um, I want to be young again. Um, <laughs> uh, but I would go and I would spar against these kids that were half my size. That's right. But they had been boxing for years, mm -hmm. and they kicked my mm -hmm. ass, man. It didn't matter that I was this bigger guy that nope. had size. Nope. Like, I knew how to throw a punch ish yeah you know and yeah. these guys these kids could move these kids they, were they moving. knew what they, they were doing were, yeah yeah they've been doing it since they were like five goddamn years old so yes yeah. there there's a big difference between like like someone who knows how to fight and someone yep. who's big i'm sorry there, there just is, is. Yep. Mm -hmm. that's why like i don't care how tough you think you are you just don't go picking fights with people That's because right. you never fucking That's know. Right. You have no idea. Who the fuck knows goddamn jujitsu? Right. No. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you touched on uh, one thing uh, a little bit ago. We've done a lot of Batman talking. Let's talk about some of those side characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> grab this. What uh, you, uh, you mentioned 
Paul Dano, and yeah. I feel like it's a nice transition. I would say that like there was a there was a that great moment of his reveal without the mask in the the diner, yeah, and just this completely humble like non-assuming person, and then he just has this little smile that he does, and I was like. God damn, if that isn't the fucking Riddler, I don't know who mm-hmm. is, man. Like, to me, I was like, God, he's perfect just in that little bit. I was like, fuck, they did so good with that. I've watched a lot of videos comparing him to Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, that's something uh, I would like to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to take a, a little break. I'm going to refill my drink, and then I want to okay. talk about the the Riddler uh our current one versus the 1995 one. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going on a quick break. Be right back. And we're back. And we're back. My drink is falling. I always get like nervous. I always have to like, yes, no. Double, we are recording. Double, triple check. <laughs> That's why I got up. The first one, I was like, we're talking. We've already got good stuff going, but I'm concerned that maybe I might not have pushed record. The OCD yeah. kicks in. Yeah. Uh, no, it's okay. Like We're not smart when we're sober and we've been drinking. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of OCD, <laughs> uh, let's jump back in. We were talking about the Riddler. Um, yeah. First and foremost, uh, what did you think of this interpretation? I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, And I don't use the word lightly. I thought it was truly brilliant. Um, I fucking love when art house actors like Paul Dano get something this meaty to do. It's the coolest thing. And... I had some comic book people that I know who were like, oh, that character's not really the Riddler. And I'm like, you know what? It is it is an interpretation of the Riddler. Yeah. Because he is writing his perceived wrongs, or in this case, maybe just his wrongs. Yeah. Um, he, is, he is, you know, trying to attain justice in a world that he feels has left him behind. He wants everyone to know that he's the smartest person there. And he's a fucking supervillain. And, like, this guy feels like all of those things in a fundamental, elemental way. Yeah, I would say that he does not... Uh, the, the one aspect where he doesn't feel like a traditional version of the Riddler is that he, he, he does not seem to have the ego. Right. That, uh, the, yeah, yeah, that's that stamped down quite a bit. Edward Nigma typically has yeah. in just about every other every interpretation of the interpretation. Character. He yeah. is fucking arrogant as shit. Yeah, and this guy, you have a little bit more of a uh, definitely a, a humble sort of character. And again, yeah. it has been stated, and I don't like to always fall back to this, but all you know, Matt Reeves and everyone involved with the movie, you know, says that these are characters in the very beginning. Yeah. yeah these yeah. are not the characters yeah. we necessarily end sure. up with. Sure. He said he said this isn't an origin story of Batman, but it's an origin story of Catwoman and Riddler and Penguin. Yeah. Yeah. Um now uh a very uh good friend Nicholas Anderson uh you know, shout out to Newt. Uh, shout out to uh, um, 
uh, Nerds Who Lift podcast. Yeah, Nerds Who Lift podcast. Check that out if you're into powerlifting or geekery. Um, he uh, convinced me long ago when we were in high school to watch uh, Batman Forever and said it was a great, great movie and uh <laughs> i believed him <laughs> no I'll, I'll never forget him <laughs> uh god man I, st- I still like that movie uh there's there's definitely some some fun bits to it because i was watching all these these compare and contrast videos uh ever since uh, in the past week uh i've watched a lot of it and i go oh god they they look it's so bad but like I'd, I'd be willing to give that one a chance even like i watch my my big thing, I always said that I liked Batman and Robin better than Batman Forever because Batman and Robin knew what it was and it wasn't trying to sure. it didn't have his feet in both worlds. Uh-huh. Like like Batman Forever still tries to be dark a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um but by the time you get to Batman and Robin, they're like, Yeah, fuck it, we're we're going back to the nineteen sixties, you know? The, the the difference is though, and this is just I get what you're saying there, and mm-hmm. I, I certainly respect that opinion. Like you, you have a good point there. The difference, though, is that there's actually some artistic merit to Batman uh, Forever. Not to say that there's not artistic merit to Batman and Robin, but it's like it's like the cheapest, worst kind of artistic merit. Where oh, it's yeah. like there's some real artistic merit to Batman. By no Forever. means, I'm not calling it a good movie, by the way. Yeah, I'm not. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I yeah. by no means am I saying Batman and Robin is a good movie. Right. For me, it just I liked that one better because I knew how I was supposed to feel about it. I'm like, all right, Got cool. It. I'm watching yeah. a fucking yeah. kids show. Where Batman Forever is still, you know, it kind of tries to be like a very serious movie in, in parts, and it yeah, doesn't it, succeed. It, I agree with you. They got it yeah. has flashing elements, sure. You know? um, but Jim Carrey does great Jim Carrey work. I don't know if for me it's a great Riddler, but he, I mean, he's Jim Carrey, so like it's hard to uh, to really say anything bad about. His performance because he's sure. doing what he does. He's doing his thing, yeah. Um, and especially that came out in what ninety five. Yes. Yeah. So he's at the height of his Jim yeah. Carreyness. Yeah. Um, but for people who weren't around, that was like Jim Carrey mania at that time. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber had come out the year before. So yeah. So it was uh, like yeah. He had just this is, this is a big deal. He just jumped on a rocket ship and flew into the moon. Yeah. Um. Now, how would you kind of compare those two performances? Is there even a reason to even compare them because they're so vastly different? I think there's, I think there's little rhyme or reason to doing a, a really stiff comparison. I do think it's worth noting that Jim Carrey actually ended up being a very talented actor. Yes. Um, there's a few people like that. Adam Sandler comes to mind. Guys who are known for being total goofball idiots, but like are really good when they want to be. And I, I, I think that's really interesting because uh, they must have different personalities than me because I, if I was as talented as them I, and, and is in their position, I would, you know, I'd want to be good all the time. And they're like, no, no, no. I want to get paid and act like a dipshit. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Jim Carrey's style of comedy was never for me. I liked Ace Ventura. Um, quite a bit like every other little boy back then but um i his whole shtick was not really my thing 
Yeah, mine either. And I think that his Riddler, you know, he's having a great time. And I think if you like that kind of humor, then it'll it'll probably hit for you. But I think him opposite of just like a deadly serious Tommy Lee Jones, who's still hamming it up. Quite a bit. He's hamming it up. But he's he's taking himself much more seriously for good or bad yeah. in his in his hamming of it up. Um, but like you know, opposite of like a very grim Val Kilmer, who's actually like putting on a really good Batman performance in like a really kind of crappy movie. Yes, um, he's trying. Yeah, that's the thing. He's and, really and I mean, you you watched the the documentary, right? You watched Val. I have not seen Val. Oh my god, it's on the list. Great, great, heartbreaking mm-hmm. film. He talks about it. He talks about how hard he tried yeah. in that movie and how uh, much he wanted to do it. Uh, justice and that he yeah. was just so so heartbroken when you know and he's a great actor yes. like if it for the the whoever hasn't seen Tombstone like Val Kilmer is an actor like he's God. good the best western ever ever <laughs> you don't gotta you don't gotta twist an arm to get me to agree on that believe me uh, so yeah if you haven't seen that like Val Kilmer was a like they've got a real one on that movie yeah and he's really trying and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, is an incredible actor and he's really trying and then Jim Carrey is just sort of playing Jim Carrey it's very disjointed I would say that that version of the character similarly to Paul Dano gets elements of it right yes yeah but you know you're talking about Paul Dano playing a grim sort of um, Zodiac killer yeah and uh, Jim Carrey playing the guy from Ace Ventura so yeah. they're very different yeah and I mean like again like there are it's one of those moments where I'm like how could um, like who are we supposed to side with because by the time you hear the Riddlers like I mean he's he is going around killing people and he's killing but he's killing bad people. Very and, like in the case of some of them, very bad people. Yeah. And yeah. in by until the, the end where like, you know, he kind of gets all his his followers to do yeah, his and that's, bidding. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're like, all right, do your thing, man. Because as far as I'm concerned, fuck you, those you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You were not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Um uh you know, you're taking out all the you're taking out the trash. Taking out the trash, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> But I just, I liked him. I was a little bit worried uh, about the, because you knew he was going to get caught from the trailers, and I was a little bit worried about, oh, he meant to be caught, sort of a deal. And the convoluted escape plan that, you know, you see in the yeah. the Dark Knight, and yeah. then you see in, like, something like that. I was a little disappointed with, with the thought that we were going to have that sort of rehashed. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I don't want to see a guy get caught on purpose and escape again. Yeah, like, that was on. that was something I was really like, I don't... I don't Especially like, in a movie that this is going to draw too many comparisons to, to begin with. Yes. Yeah. So, I remember seeing that in the trailers and being, like, very wary of that. I'm like, well, obviously, he's the Riddler. Obviously, he wants to get caught. Right. Um, yeah, and then you see it done in, like, you know, Skyfall, which is probably my favorite James Bond movie, but even his escape plan in Skyfall, you're just, like, rolling your eyes, yeah, like, oh my nonsense. god. Yeah. Um, but I was afraid of that, and when I watched the movie, I was pleasantly surprised, because I was like, he planned to get caught, right. and he planned to stay caught, because mm-hmm. it was going to keep him safe from what was happening out there, and I was like, that's right. That was a nice move. 
Yeah. It was a nice move. It's not this convoluted, aha, you got me, but I wanted to get caught so I could do this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. Ha 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 ha. Right. No. Um, I will say that the, the little bit uh, about the carpet tool and then pulling up the carpet and having the map, like, I was like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> who's who's doing it. that? I didn't mind it. I didn't, so that, that that that's actually an element a couple people complained about with this movie was that everyone else solved the riddles and I was like I didn't really see it that way. I know I don't I think thought, I think Batman solved like almost all of them. I, you know, well, it's because uh, that guy pointed out that it was a carpet tool, and yeah. then um, Penguin pointed out that their Spanish was off, but he still had to piece together the yeah. riddles. You know, well, the, the big thing with like when they said like a rat with wings, I was like, how is no one saying bat? Like, right. how is no that, that's, yeah. like, come on, yeah. Batman, get yeah. your fucking shit together. Like, that was the big one for me. Yeah. The carpet tool, like, like, yes and no. Like, if it had been done just a little bit cleaner or mm -hmm. something like that, if, if it had not been a cop that's like, oh yeah, my uncle, you know, he does that for a living sort of a deal. The cop who happens to be in the room with him sort of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I'm pretty forgiving of that because Batman can't think of every single little thing. Which, he pretty much, if and you watch a three-hour movie, it's Batman just solving shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, even all of those, those answers, like, on the phone call situation like yeah. he knows all those answers just like that yeah, it's justice uh-huh the answer um, is justice beautiful yeah um it was. would have stepped away from the bomb a little bit sooner <laughs> right <laughs> come on detective <laughs> you can figure out those riddles but you don't know what's going to happen when the bomb takes down yeah, when that hits the zero, <laughs> you're having a bad day, um uh what did you think of uh what did you think of catwoman <laughs> I mean, Catwoman is a character where, especially like the original Catwoman is, you know, these are comic books. She's a drawing. She is, she is depicted through physicality. Mm -hmm. And Zoe Kravitz depicted her through physicality better than anyone ever has. Yes. The, the, the fight scene that they have when she meets Batman, she moves like Catwoman. Mm -hmm. When she, God, it's so fucking perfect. Um, right before we have the big chase scene, um, she knocks out a couple of guys, and the way she steps over one of them and swaggers past him, like jaunts past him, is just so Catwoman. Which is crazy, because like you don't see Catwoman actually moving in comics, but like the way she's drawn, her posture, her physicality, mm -hmm. it's like she hit it better than anyone could have. And then on top of that, she brought you this character. She brought you this fucking believable maybe even relatable character like yeah. like if you've ever known like a powerful woman like a very fearsome kind of woman and this could apply to any gender human i suppose but a really fearsome person and then you got just past that guard and you're like oh oh there's a normal vulnerable human being in here she depicted that incredibly well in my opinion because yes. she was this intelligent capable like could fuck you up, could kill you, could steal all your shit, and could get away with it. Like, an extremely capable human. I mean, she's, you know, a, a super hero, uh, super anti-hero type of person, obviously. But, like, she gave you that kind of sense of power. But there was a sincere, like, this is just a person who's had a hard time. 
a real vulnerability vulnerability there. Like I believed her her panic when her her girlfriend was missing. And I and I I bought like her and Batman. I bought it. Yes. I bought her like. Damn you, whoever you are, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say. Why that, do I like, feel this way about you? Their I, I, I their it. relationship is without a doubt the best mm -hmm. out of the three on screen uh, interpretations. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I thought Anne Hathaway did a great job. I know we did well. Um and uh. And Michelle Pfeiffer, you just how can you not legendary, legendary performance? Like fucking flabbergasted with mm -hmm. her mm -hmm. and everything. It's just like probably the the sexiest performance of a character in film. Yeah. Um, but there was yeah, just both of those other interpretations, like. Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer and Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway, they felt like performances. Mm -hmm. Pattinson and Kravitz yes. felt like people. Yeah. They just like the way they talked with each other, yes. the dynamic, it yes. felt fucking real, it man. Did. Yeah. There was like, and this is probably one of the best compliments I could give this movie. There was a point where I was so engaged in the story and what was happening and the realism of it yeah. and trying to figure out who was doing these crimes that, like, I was so lost in it. I was watching the scene and cops are looking around at shit and then Batman comes around the corner and, like, I was so in it that I was like, fuck is Batman doing in this movie right now? Right? Like, this is such, like, a fucking crime <laughs> thriller. Like, figure out who done it. Why is Batman yes. there? Like, it yes. caught me yes. so off guard. And, like, this yeah, that's, is an that's hour awesome. and a half into the movie. Yeah, that's an awesome <laughs> anecdote. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, God, it's just such a, like, for as heightened reality as it is, like, what you said was right. Like, it's probably more real than the realism that, no one was trying to achieve, right. and you know? no one was known for realism, and this one got even further down into into reality. Yeah, which was like sort of the opposite of where I thought you needed to go in order to yeah. stand out as a Batman movie. Now Matt Reeves disagreed with me, and he was correct. Yeah, and but you know, like what again? What they did in it was they made these, they made the characters more real you know and yeah, made yeah the, everything the, about them yeah the story more real they yeah. heightened the surroundings they heightened things like gotham they yeah. made that more yeah, yeah, gothic, yeah. and more... batman is still like fucking running around in body armor fucking beating yeah. people like it's not real life but yeah but it's what did you think of the uh flying squirrel suit because that like when i saw that i was like ah just like I wasn't into that um yeah and and, and like so to be honest with you, like to, to be like really, really honest with you, I was way not into that. And if I had been like a producer on the movie, I would have advised him to not do it for like a really sort of sort of a simple reason. As much as I don't want this movie to be compared to the other movies, one of the things that this movie had the responsibility of doing was contrasting in a way that made it feel like it stood alone and made it feel like it was relevant in its own right. And we just watched a bunch of movies where Batman had this memory tech that he could just run a lightning bolt through and he could fly with his wings and it had like just enough realism for us to to buy it having him actually have a wingsuit it's so anticlimactic yeah there's no like 
like I think Matt Reeves really wanted that to be a wow moment. And I think I want to be really clear here. I'm not being super critical of Matt Reeves. I think most of his wow moments fucking worked, and I, I, I thought they worked very well. But I feel like that moment where we're supposed to be like, whoa, he's got a wingsuit, he's flying. No one was like that. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, that's a wingsuit. Those exist in real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And okay, and he flew, and he fell, and all right, Matt. And the thing was, it, it didn't even it didn't even really hurt the movie for me because the that escape scene was so good. Yes. The the conversation between him and Gordon, him running away, him grappling up, all of that was fucking great. But I would have literally strongly preferred like a Batman leaps off the roof and gra- the roof and grapples away. Yeah, dude, that would have been dope. Animated series kind of moment would have been way cooler than like he has a flight suit, which I, yeah. I think we were really supposed to pop for that, and I, I didn't feel that way. Yeah, that, that definitely caught me off guard. I, what I did like, well, so, okay, what I did and didn't like, like, mm-hmm. there's there's an element to this that I really like, because I'm like, oh, fuck, that's real. Right. And maybe he hasn't done this before, but when he got to the top of that ledge, and he backed up, he's like, whoa, like, yeah, yeah, caught yeah. him off guard. Like, yeah, yeah. I like that, and I like it. In the sense of what we got, mm-hmm. but what you described would have been better. Yeah. I agree that if he had gotten to that ledge and just fucking saw it and just went for it and used his grapple gun, uh-huh. that would have been fucking dope. Right. Um, and it led me to probably like my biggest, my biggest like uh, suspension of disbelief issue when he crashes. I'm like, your neck is gone, bats. Yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. you're done. I don't you're care. Dead. Like yeah, you're dead. How yeah, yeah. superhero you are? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, there's absolutely. like even if your neck didn't break, you're mm-hmm. not walking no. from that. You're not. You're certainly not okay in the next you're fucking not okay. scene. You're either. not okay. No. Um. No. Yeah. When he like hit the fucking bridge or whatever, you're, I'm like, you're, dude, yeah, no, you're dead. no one survives yeah. that. It's true. That's um, absolutely true. So that was like a a big. No, no, for me, but uh, um, which is which is and part of the reason that doesn't work too, to be clear, is because the wingsuit is so grounded, yes, and then you have him crashing at 80 miles an yes. hour, and he's okay, and it's like, okay, that probably could have been thought through a little bit again. If we had done something that was a little bit more uh thematic, something yeah. a little bit more elevated in yeah. that sense, then then you could get you know a Peter Parker falling from you know sure. six stories high and then going to be like my back <laughs> that's right um, and you know that that would have worked a little bit better um, uh, so we'll talk about realism and and heightened characters that I feel like that's a nice easy segue into Oz you know yeah. and um, what a what a very great performance. Um, did they need Colin Farrell for that, or could they have just gotten a regular Italian guy? Did uh-huh. they do the Did they do the guy Pierce in Prometheus, where you're like, cool? Yes, they totally did, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessary. Yep, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Just being real, like, and and like, you know, like, ugh, and this me. is coming from like, I love the performance, and I have loved. Love, love, love Colin, Colin Farrell. Yeah, 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 who doesn't? The guy yes. is fantastic. And he was great in this role, and I love him in this role. And this is a nitpick, but th- th- there's a reality to Hollywood that, like, even roles that don't need to be filled by beautiful people are typically filled by beautiful people. And I don't mean, like, 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 like him. I mean, like, a role that's just, like, someone's dad. 
It doesn't have to be some strapping, handsome guy, and it always is. Yeah. And, like, there are normal-looking or homely people in Hollywood who are good actors who deserve jobs. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit shitty to cast one of those gorgeous humans like Colin Farrell as the ugly guy and put prosthetics on him when there's literally probably a hundred guys that, that look similar to that penguin that would have been great in that role. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 in those instances, I'd prefer to see that, but like, how was the character really good? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about that car chase in perspective to Batmobile chases we've seen before? I liked I, I liked it a lot. Um, at some point, I, I want to talk a little bit about cinematic influences, and I think that that car chase was very strongly influenced by a 1970s movie called The French Connection, um, oh, starring yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gene Hackman, and what's the guy from Jaws' name? I always forget. Uh, uh, Rory Scheider. Yeah. yeah. It's starring those two fucking studs in a great movie called The French Connection, and I think that car chase is greatly influenced by that. Well, I saw that, I saw a little bit of that, and uh, maybe a little bit of Bullet, too. Like, yeah. There's this kind of had this old, old school, not, it, it wasn't as clean as, like, a lot of other car chases that yeah. you would see nowadays. Yeah, Just very, very, very yeah. kind of gritty, like, less is more sort of mm-hmm. um, look to it, and very real, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much, um, much more real, yeah. Um, do you think Batman will stop killing people with his so, car? So, well, no. so let's 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 dig in here. <laughs> let's dig in here for just a moment. I was watching a clip of uh, Batman uh, Begins and uh, Dark Knight, and just like when he drives into the 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 trash uh, car in the Dark Knight, and just ramps it up, and I'm like. That man is dead! Batman! Um, okay, so wait, let's... Hold on, no, no, this is good. This is a good question. I want to dive into this. So... Uh, <laughs> so talking about... God damn it, you gotta stop killing everybody. Um, so talking about um, what, how I liked that car chase compared to others, I'll be honest with you, like, just being totally real, I liked the... Like there weren't, there wasn't really a car chase in Tim Burton's Batman, mm-hmm. but there were big moments with the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. I liked those more because the Batmobile felt like the Batmobile felt as enigmatic as Batman. Like this car just showed up on the scene, and you know, and it and it, and it did some things that I wouldn't want Batman to do, like lighting people on fire and blowing up buildings <laughs> filled with goons. Like that's not very cool. But like, but there was a certain, there, it was very heightened, that Batmobile. And then the Tumblr, which I was like, I'm the kind of guy where I can look at something and say, I wouldn't have made that decision, but I'm not going to just like, but I'm going to give it a chance and see how I like it. I loved the very heightened reality car chases with the Tumblr a lot. Yeah. Like, I fucking love the Tumblr hopping on fucking roofs and just like, like, every building that that thing lands on would have crashed. Right. And then there's like like going the wrong way on the freeway and making everyone crash. Like, I I genuinely, I genuinely loved all that. I genuinely loved all that. And you get the sense in the Dark Knight movies 
You're supposed to suspend disbelief and think that he didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Because he doesn't kill people. You didn't see him die on screen, they didn't die. He doesn't kill people, right? I felt, it's really funny because I felt like Matt Reeves was even more committed to Batman not being a killer. Yes. And we can get into this or not, either way. I think that's really important to Batman's mythos that he's not a killer. Batman is not the Punisher with boomerangs. Yes. He's a complicated character. He's a dark character, but ultimately, push comes to shove, brass tacks, boiled down. Batman's a hero. Yes. He's a symbol of hope, and he's the good guy. Yes. Like, when you get through all the shit, and like, you know, he does questionable things, but Batman's a good guy. Um, he is he is the other side of the coin that Superman is, and I'm I'm getting a little bit nerdy here, but this is how it, it, this is important. This is what we're doing. Yeah, I know. This yeah, is yeah. Okay. This, this is important to me. Like Superman and Batman don't kill people because they're fucking heroes, and they are ideals that we aspire to, and they represent everything that is good about humanity. And it's very those, those concepts are very important to me personally. And I like that Matt Reeves is committed to that in this movie. The fact that this movie keys in on that is like huge to me and is a part of why I really love this movie as my favorite Batman movie um but in that scene if we're not doing heightened reality and we're not suspending disbelief a bunch of fucking people died in that accident <laughs> where the yeah. thing goes over and kabloom yeah. I'm like what do you think happens to the guy in the cabin of a truck when there's a fireball the size of the city yes. like he cooks yeah. Um, all because Batman didn't know how to speak Hispanic exactly. <laughs> exactly. Goes after the wrong asshole. Spanish sucks, <laughs> and so he killed a bunch of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, brother, shit happens, dog. <laughs> Batman Spanish sucks, so he kills a lot kills of people. <laughs> but, but that said, I think within the context of the movie, and this this actually circles back to our point about plot holes. There are things in the movie where you could explain it away, but it would waste time in the movie to explain it away. So, for example, maybe Batman called Gordon as he was, you know, driving the Riddler to their meeting location and was like, I need you to call fire and rescue. You know what I mean? And fire showed up and miraculously nobody died. And that's the reason they didn't bring Penguin in, right? Because because Penguin created those accidents. I mean, Batman would have been culpable as well. But if if. A bunch of people died in those accidents, then Batman and Gordon don't leave Penguin there. You know yeah. what I mean? They're like, yeah, well, you're going down for fucking, you know, vehicular homicide. Yeah. So you have to you have <laughs> to give the movie those allowances. Yes. Just like in The Dark Knight, when, like, he goes and he saves um, Rachel, um, you have to allow the movie that moment where we don't know, where we don't get the, it doesn't get painted for us exactly what happens after that. Because like it probably was a bunch of, of of just um. You know it was probably just like a, a, a by the numbers explanation of what happened next, and it probably wasn't very interesting. It probably didn't build the movie very well. Yeah. So I think with things like that, you have to grant them those allowances, and I do think this movie was more committed than any movie we've seen on screen to Batman not killing people, and I think that's really important, and I think it's really interesting because like. There are moments, like, dude, Tim Burton's Batman is the, the, both of his Batman movies are the weirdest fucking thing in the world, because Batman is a bloodthirsty psychopath, murdering people, (laughs) and then he has moments where he totally acts like Batman, so, like, when, um, Jack Napier goes over the rail, Batman tries to catch him, he doesn't need information, he has the information, he's trying to save him, Yeah. and it's like, he's acting like Batman there, 
But later in the movie, he just blows up a whole chemical factory full of people. Fucking Batman Returns. He, <laughs> yeah, like, at the beginning of the movie, knocks a guy down, has a thing of dynamite, and then throws, throws it, it down, and blows up, and he smirks. And you're like, that's gruesome. And then later in the movie, Selena's like, I'm going to kill Max. And he's like, Selena, who do you think you are? And it's like, um, excuse me, Mr. Yeah. Kills a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you being judgmental with her? Yeah, I, uh, th- there's, there's that. Now, I, I agree with you with the... Because, because so much attention was drawn to how ruthless Batman was in this particular version of the film, mm-hmm. in this particular film, excuse me, um, it made more of a point uh, about how hard it is for him to find that line because yeah, he yeah, yeah. just beats the shit out of people mm-hmm. and he has to force himself to stop because right. he wants to do it. Yeah, he's angry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. Um, That bit at the end where like, okay, was it Venom? Did he have Venom that he shot himself with? Because I saw it and I was like, oh, fuck, that shit's that's green as fuck. Venom. That's fucking Venom. <laughs> I, think, I think if it's not going to turn out to be described clearly as Venom in the story, Matt Reeves is very obviously winking at us. Yeah. 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 I'm, sure, I'm sure it's more of an Easter egg than anything. Yeah, I but... think it's more of an Easter egg. But I wouldn't be surprised. Did you, did you ever read or hear about the story Batman Venom? I've heard about it. I okay. don't know the like the title is familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know the the specifics of this. I'm I'm not gonna go down a long like comic book nonsense uh, uh, bit here, but basically, um, it predates the character Bane. Venom existed before Bane. Yeah, it's this this new steroid coming around called Venom, and Batman gets addicted to it because it makes it easier for him to be Batman. Yeah. And it was it was really it was really like talking about like the heroin problem in America was what it was sort of a commentary on, um, but Batman having a drug issue, God Warner Brothers will never let him do it. It would be a great it would be a great yeah. movie I think, but <laughs> Warner Brothers is going to nix that so fast. Yeah. So never mind, that won't happen. Yeah. I think that would be a cool movie though if they were yeah. going to let him do it. Well, just the fact that it it was there or it could be there like that was the very first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. I was like. That motherfucker just... Sh- and it, he shot it, it plays exactly like, like that. Like that. It does. So um, I loved, loved, loved that bit because yeah. like he's just down for the count and then he sees, you know, Selena, you know. That whole third act that everyone is complaining about, I thought was awesome. What are people complaining about? Because I don't go on message boards and shit like that. Okay, well, I, I hate to tell on myself, but I do. And, um, I spent too much time on the internet. It's bad for you people. Um... You can just give me some general gripes. No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Really, really, to put it really, I'm trying to, to, to be succinct here, but it's basically everyone basically is saying, and I disagree with them strongly, that when the Riddler is caught, the movie should end. And I'm like, you guys are fucking stupid and you don't understand story structure because so many of the, the threads in the movie are paid off in that last bit um, that it would feel like three quarters of a movie if you yes. didn't have that last bit. Uh, um, and people are just saying it feels disjointed, like it doesn't fit, like it was a studio mandate. And I'm like, I think you guys don't know what you're talking about because I think the whole thing was good. Like, I think um, the idea that the Riddler gang, where the guys dress up like Riddler and do his bidding, 
instead of being like henchmen that he paid or people that he radicalized online, that is not only of like the time, yes. that's the most realistic interpretation of that I've ever seen. Yes. How are you going to get guys to dress up like the Riddler and commit acts of terrorism? It ain't going to be with a couple of bucks. Yeah. It's going to be because they're believers. And they, Matt Reeves found a way to make us believe that they would be believers. That was fucking dope. Yeah. And that scene, and the boom, 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 and he drops through the window. Love it's that. great. Love it's that. great. And the fights there are fantastic. And as much as I love those Nolan movies, the fights aren't very well done. Mm -hmm. And the fights in this are quite well done. And everything about that from a an action standpoint, but also from a story standpoint, made great sense. And like, you know, Commissioner Gordon acts like Commissioner Gordon, like he's he's bold and heroic. And uh, Catwoman being the selfish kind of whatever that that you know you you may assume she is, but she was willing to risk her life to save Bruce because she does really care about Bruce, even though she doesn't even know his name is Bruce. Yes. Um, and that moment, dude, in that moment where she's laying on top of him saying, like, it's okay, it's over, I was sitting there with my heart in my stomach thinking, Jesus fucking Christ, they're going to kill Selena. I hate you. I hate you, Matt. I hate you. Yeah. Because he had talked about um, he had talked about some of the cinematic influences to this and a lot of it being very noir. And a lot of the times those noir films, either the, the female character will either kill your main character, like Sunset Boulevard, or she'll die, like Chinatown. And, um, yeah. So, I thought that, that last sequence was amazing. <clears throat> Instead, it, it played out more like Casablanca. Where are they? Um, uh, but, yeah, that's insane to me, because I don't even know how you end that movie there. Like, to me, like... It was just, the end! The, the, the end real movie! Getting caught... Right. He doesn't get caught. He right. goes over next door to have a piece of pie. Right. He clearly was waiting. He's to, yeah. done everything he was going to do up to that right. point. No right. one no one won. Yeah. <clears throat> the most important part of the movie happens at the end where they pull off the mask and he says, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. And Batman goes, oh, I've been shit. fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. That is the payoff for that entire film. Right there. That's the payoff for the whole movie. Yes. That and then the, them taking the people out of there and him having the monologue about how he has to be something yes. else. That is literally the whole arc of the film. Right there. Meeting in the middle there. That's and it. that's why when we come back for the next one, he's not going to be the same person. Exactly. And that is why it's probably the best Batman movie. And that's good storytelling. Yes. Like, that's how you tell stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It has such a well-fucking-developed character. Mm -hmm. Like, arguably, a better character arc, arguably, maybe not entirely, but than what Christian Bale had throughout yeah. the course of three fucking movies. Right, right, yeah. The full three films, yeah. Because this guy got to... Do an approach that he thought was working. Have this mentality. He realizes, A, like, halfway through the film, he realizes that, like, he still has people that are important to him. Yeah. Alfred. Yep. Throughout the course of the film, he starts to develop feelings for Selena. Selena. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's clear there by the end when he venoms and, and yeah. beats that guy to a pulp. He obviously is feeling the same way about Selena that she is about him. Yes. Just, He's emotionally stunted. He doesn't know how to express it or, yes. or even how to deal with it, really. Yes. Yeah. Um, and 
Which I like that she's all, she's the one who's just kissing him without permission. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, like, I do dude, like. I like. I it re- works. realized that I was like, he never tries to kiss her. No, he just, it's always her kissing him. And I was like, that's that's a nice like. But nice. did you ever once question it? Did you ever no. not believe it? I believed no. it every time. I was like, yep, yeah, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, he realizes, and it was like like. Like, when that part happened, man, it hit me so well. I was like, yes. Like, this is what this is what an early Batman story should be. He yeah. doesn't. He went about it the wrong way, and he That's realizes right. it. And, like, like, and to me, like, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this a couple days later. I was like, this is probably the, the best, most, like, this could be, I mean, I wouldn't expect it in the... I really wouldn't expect it in the next couple movies, but if it was super successful and they were able to make a decent amount, like this particular universe that they set up would be the best universe for Robin to show up in. Yep, absolutely. Like, I feel like you could do, like, just him with that, the the dynamic with him, the little boy yep. that he kept on looking at, you know? Yep. Like, to me, like, I was like, well, it's not going to be Robin. They're not going to do that. Right, no. But, like, there okay. is that, that seed planted of here is this boy who lost his family and I I want to help him but I don't know how right because I was that boy mm-hmm. and if you put a, a Dick Grayson sort of character whose parents are killed by the mob yeah you know and Bruce Wayne sees it like like I could see particularly just with the the story being where it's at in this particular character mm-hmm. like it is the best version of a live action Batman to to take yeah. on yeah. that that title. I completely agree with that. Like <clears throat> like very strongly honestly. Um Matt Reeves is an emotional storyteller, you know yeah. what I mean? And um yeah, I think he did it very well. And th- there was there was a there was a one of the continuous themes of the movie, I think, was Batman being this emotionally stunted person. I actually think he's kind of coded as an autistic character. Yeah. Um, the one of the co-writers of the book, his name is Matt Matson Tomlin, and um, or I'm sorry, co-writers of the film. Um, he's not credited, and I think it's just because of the the guild rules <laughs> that it has to be thirty three percent of the total script. Mm-hmm. But he worked on the movie, and he wrote a comic book that's sort of a companion piece to the movie, like an unofficial companion piece called Batman the Imposter, and in it, um, Batman, Bruce Wayne is, is talking to a psychologist who saw him as a kid, and she says explicitly, like when she's describing him, that he has OCD, that he has uh, PTSD, anxiety, and she says plainly, probably on the spectrum. And this, that, that is such a realistic um, take on Batman because of like all of the ways that he behaves that are not normal for a human um, to behave, they're not the, the the standard way that a person behaves, and in this movie especially, the way he doesn't know, like he doesn't seem to know how to communicate with people at all, and I'm like like with Selena, like dude, the moment where he's like, look at me, they won't be able to see it, and it's like it's in a moment where you think he's about to come for her, like look at me, I won't let anyone hurt you. He doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't know how. He doesn't understand her, and. Many times in the movie where you get the sense that he 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 wants to express himself, but he doesn't seem to know how to. Mm-hmm. To Selena, to Alfred, <laughs> to the little boy, um, it's very it's a very consistent thing, and I think it's it's played so well because it's like 
you believe that this kid that saw his parents get murdered would have grown up kind of insulated and stunted, and he might not know how to do that. And I think the, 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 the best thing for me is that payoff at the very end of the movie when he lights up the flare and he goes to help the people out, and he's like never really done that before. He's like, eh? <laughs> like, is this gonna work? And the little boy takes his hand and the others take his hand, and it's like, that is a great moment. And he leads them out of the darkness because he's fucking Batman. Yes. And um, and then at the very end, when he goes to set the girl on the, the helicopter to get her off to safety, and she grabs him. She doesn't want to be let go. And he's an, immediately startled. He's not used to being touched. He doesn't know how to deal with being touched. He's like, <gasps> and then he's like, oh, wait a minute. And he takes her hand, and he's like, it's going to be okay. He doesn't say it because he's still a weirdo. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think that that's – I think that that's – such a strong theme throughout the movie paid off so strongly at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a nice touch. I don't know. But, like, we didn't get anything, anything like that in any Batman. No. Anything before. And I think it's really cool. No. That this well, movie did like, that. it, it's, again, this is, like, kind of why, I like, go back to what we said at the beginning, which is, this is the best Batman movie. Yeah. And, A, like before this, it would have been Batman Begins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for for yeah for live action, it it one hundred percent would have been because that was a movie that focused on Bruce Wayne and mm-hmm. Batman, where every other Batman movie and I mean every single other Batman movie, uh, puts uh heavy uh influ or you know heavy emphasis. focus on uh, yeah there you go emphasis thank you on the villains. Mm-hmm. And they tend to steal the show, as villains tend to do. Um, I I was never more excited to see anybody in this movie than I was Batman. Yeah. And I got three fucking hours of him. Yep. And the minute that movie was over, I wanted more. Yep. Same. Same. I was like, I was like can I watch it again? Yeah. Can we get a sequel tomorrow? Like, yeah. what's, what's good? Yeah. Like, I thought... God damn, just what, what a great, just Batman yep. movie. Yep. And, like, what what about it, what about, now that we were on this, what about it do you, do you think makes it a better Batman movie than Batman Begins? Well, I think that Christopher Nolan... <clears throat> does not specialize very well in human emotion. He's and a robot. I, that's he's a robot. He's, he's a, a robot put yeah. out by the movie studio. That's right. right. This that's is what right. will get us big money. That's right. <laughs> he's a money making robot. Um, no, I really, I really like Christopher Nolan. Um, but like a very brief like aside about him, like an example would be like, did you see Tenet? I did. Okay, so do you remember in Tenet how like the protagonist in the in the beginning of the story? Spoilers for Tenet. Spoilers for everything in this podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm a little late on that. <laughs> yeah, I know, like I, I feel like I heard spoiled Chinatown. Uh-huh. Like, anyway, um, he gets like he gets tortured. He has his teeth pulled out of his mouth, and then to his knowledge, he fucking commits suicide. And then he wakes up with his mouth rebuilt, and like he's not dead. He's alive, and he's on this new mission. And like the only anger. Or, like, any type of emotion he displays for that is, like, but but you guys pulled my teeth out. Like, that was rude. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you think it would do to a person if you strapped them to a chair, yanked out all their teeth, and forced them to believe that them giving up information would be so dangerous for society that they had to kill themselves? Yeah. And they, they, that would... 
fundamentally alter a human being's trajectory Not for the rest of their life. Not to mention that his whole team is killed, too. Like, right, all, all your people. friends are killed, too. And it's like, okay, moving on. And that's how Christopher Nolan does emotions. He doesn't. Yeah. And I love the guy. I'm not I'm not hating on Christopher Nolan. But um so there's that aspect of it. <clears throat> and then there is I mean, I think that's probably the biggest thing is the the emotional aspect of it. The only other thing I would say is that I would say that um Matt Reeves I think just gets Batman a little bit better. Yeah. I think he gets Gotham a little bit better. And I think he just sort of focused on that a little bit more. Like, Christopher Nolan was making a movie, an action movie, about Batman. And, like, there were elements of, like, oh, there's the League of Shadows, and there's Gotham, and he dresses like a bat. And this was, this was, and I already said this earlier, this was year one in the long Halloween brought to life. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do... So, so yeah, if I had to boil that down, I would say I think Reeves is a more emotional filmmaker. I think he's a more human storyteller. And also, Reeves is a comic book guy. Like, when he was asked on Twitter what his favorite Batman comics were, he had, like, a lot to say. Like, he literally was like, year one, the long Halloween, dark victory, ego. Uh, I really liked Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams' run. I really liked even the old stuff from um, Bob Kane and, and Bill Finger. And frankly, there's too many to list. And I'm like, that's a fucking comic book nerd right there. And so when you take a, a guy who's like a cinematic genius, who's also a comic book nerd, that's where you're going to get the best yeah. Batman movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, I think I that's do it. think that, like, you know, again, as I said, he is criminally underrated yeah. like he has not made a bad movie no, he hasn't missed and everyone misses yeah like spielberg misses you know what i mean yes. like yeah like like matt reeves has not and i mean it. maybe that's the key to his genius if you just fucking fly under the radar then people like just don't think about it and yeah. you know <laughs> you can just keep on doing your thing like yeah, I've made a movie that was. The, I mean, this this could be the 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 thing because now he's I mean, got it, it is the thing the big blockbuster movie. Now it's like, all right, cool. What do you do after this? Like, I mean, not that his other movies weren't big blockbusters, but again, they were overshadowed by other things. Yeah. So it's like, all right, like, are I mean, the fact that he was able to put out a fucking three hour Batman movie. I remember when I found that out, I was like. Fuck yeah, dude. This is a real deal right here, man. Like, the fact that Warner <laughs> Brothers just let him go for it, I was like, that's sexy. Like, mm -hmm. and I feel like Joker yeah. is a big, big reason, like, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Warner Brothers was like, you know what? We're just gonna let these fuckers do their jo thing. I think Joker ended up being a very good thing for the industry overall because you saw a, you know, a director do a very, like, um, a very like Artur type of film with a big, you know, IP, and they let him go way off the rails with what it was, and and the returns were amazing. Yeah, and so yeah, uh, I think that was a, a really positive thing. Highest grossing R-rated movie ever, uh, Academy Awards out the wazoo. Probably, probably. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, not to mention best actor. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's like that's not a small thing, and and probably the most profitable because it was made on small budget. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and that sort of Artur, um, bringing that sort of Artur sort of prestige level of filmmaking to Batman was what was what Batman needed yeah. back. 
Because that's what people used to think of Batman, and that, that kind of changed during the last uh, iteration. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I don't think, you know, Snyderverse did many favors for the genre yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, that being said, Zack Snyder's Justice League is infinitely better than what the 2017 version was. Yeah. Oh, hesitancy. (laughs) Let's just let's just say if I never talk about either of those movies again, it'll be too soon. But I think that the Superman from the theatrical Justice League is a better Superman. Like the Superman that was made in like three or four weeks of reshoots on like a tight schedule and no budget and like bad CGI lip was still like a better iteration of Superman than Zack Snyder managed to do with control of the character over three movies. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> How long has it been since you've seen that? It's been a hot minute. Yeah. I'm just, eh, it's just me. I'm not saying it's a better movie all the way around. It's not a good movie. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a Frankenstein's monster of a movie. It's like one guy made a movie and then they brought in another guy and they're like, here, you have like five minutes to rewrite this and reshoot it. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a mess. I don't think it's very good. So you are like in favor of Zack Snyder just leaving the IP alone then? I'm glad he got to finish his movie. I'm very glad. I'm not very glad he got to finish his movie. I think his movie might as well have been finished. He put all this work into it. They, yeah. they put all this effort into it. Um, and then people wanted to see it. And I mean, I was one of the people who wanted to see it. So I'm glad he got to, to make it. But I don't need to see a Zack Snyder superhero movie ever again. Yeah. And um, and this is it's it's a weird place for me to be because like I was a very pro Zack Snyder guy once upon a time. Well, if I remember right, are you are a fan of Watchmen, right? Yep. Yeah, very much so. I don't think that movie gets the tone of the comic book totally right. I think that the comic book has like nuance to it that the movie doesn't catch. But I still think that movie slaps. Have you seen the ultimate cut? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. the only one I watch. Yeah, me too. That's the only one I watch. Yeah. yeah. I only watch the whole thing. And I and I really love it. Like I'm don't, yeah. I don't want to understand how I feel about that movie. I really love that movie. Well, yeah, the, really the, the, the problem is is that you you're you're dealing with the the comic is again, it's it, everyone and their mother who has read it would say that it is arguably the greatest graphic novel of yep. all time. Yep. Um, and that's because of all the level of detail and nuance and mm-hmm. and social commentary and everything that's put in there. It's an incredibly and, intelligent book. And and I normally roast people for saying that a story is smart, but Watchmen yes. is fucking smart. It's yeah. I mean, it's almost too smart. It's for brilliant. Me yeah. When I read yeah. It. It's yeah. Um, well, because we, we read it as very young men. Yes. And it, was, it was pretty advanced material to, yes. to be a young guy reading that, yeah. Um, and Zack Snyder, God love him, is not a smart movie maker. He's a visual movie maker, you know? So there's, you know, there, don't get me wrong, there's stuff from the comic to the screen that, like, you couldn't, you couldn't do any better than what he did there absolutely um and i think generally he gets the story right and i'm i'm in favor of what he what he did with manhattan at the end yeah i I was too i actually like that's it's weird for me to look back on that because i'm like that was a smart story decision yeah and i don't think he makes very smart story decisions since then did you see uh army of the dead did you watch that okay good don't yeah. You telling me that tells me that it's not worth watching because that's the kind of movie that if it were it, worth watching on any level, you would encourage me to watch it. Yeah. So I haven't seen Army of the Dead. 
and I don't want to sound like I like I hate Zack Snyder. Like I I think like I love Watchmen. I like Three Hundred. I love Man of Steel. Um, I just think that he is the kind of guy. I am a story based person. I think that everything in a film is serving a story, and I don't think Zack Snyder understands story. Yeah. And if he was a director on a movie where he was prepared with a very very strong writer. And he let the writer actually like steer the story aspect of the boat, and he controlled the filmmaking visual aspect of the boat. I think he could make the coolest superhero movies ever. Yeah. But um, and that's why I think Justice League was good was because Chris Terrio took over the the story aspect of it to a greater degree than he had throughout his whole yeah. tenure there. And and Chris Terrio, you know, um, Oscar award winning screenwriter wrote a pretty good story and then and then Zack Snyder put his very like um impressive filmmaking sensibilities to that and you ended up getting what was a much more impressive movie yeah but um but I don't think he has a good sense for story and because of that he's not the kind of director I want working on these kinds of characters so with that nice little segue mm. how do we feel about Michael Keaton coming back in the flash are we thinking it's going to be a sort of, um, uh, like, Days Future Past sort of, like, rewrite the... Yes. Um, so... Is that what the franchise needs, or should we just let it fucking die already, and let it just kind of spur off and do its own thing? Uh, that's where I sit. Yeah. But knowing that this is largely based on Flashpoint, at least according to everything we've heard... Um, Flashpoint was written um, by Jeff Johns and was the start of the New 52 when they were re basically rebooting the entire DC universe and starting all the com comics over at New Number 1s with new continuity, more or less. And so this is sort of them doing that. And so I do think it's going to be... I think it's going to be Days of Future Past, but actually have consequences in the future movies where we, we go back to, to time now and we have consequences. Um, so Keaton's going to be in that. Um, because they're they're hopping multiverses, so they're gonna go to Keaton's verse, and then we know Michael Keaton is confirmed for the Batgirl movie. Yeah, that they're doing. Um, I like the character Batgirl, and I don't mind having a Batgirl movie. But if you're gonna get Michael Keaton to reprise Bruce Wayne, can we have Batman Beyond? Like even even if you're like, well, you know, you know, we we need more like diverse films, so let's do a female character. Okay. Can we do Batgirl Beyond? Like, can we can we get that Blade Runner, like world with Michael Keaton? I mean, I I want a Batman Beyond movie. Is what I'm trying to say. I uh, yeah, I could be right there with you, and I I do think that yeah, if I don't know, just I'm sure in their minds, yeah, like you know, beautiful white boy, and then you know, handsome white man. You know, taking on, you know, I'm sure in... Actually, studio execs probably don't give a fuck about that, but I imagine yeah. there would be backlash of some sort, but that we'd They're get over that fine. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure that Batman Beyond would be a big, big undertaking, financially speaking. Yeah, I know. But you do it anyway. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. no, so, uh, to, to answer your question, and I, I do want to talk about the, the Batman Beyond concept, but to answer your question, I don't... I, like, Michael Keaton is a god and he can do whatever he wants, but I don't. I couldn't give less of a shit about the upcoming DC movies. 
Yeah. And I wish I did. Like, I care more about comic books and superheroes than any... You know this, but yeah. I care more about comic books and superheroes than anybody. But, like, The Flash, um, Black Adam, Aquaman 2, I don't give a damn about yeah. those movies. I don't yeah. give a goddamn... Did you see the the meme where it was like the the DC We Need Heroes trailer or something uh-huh. like five point five K in like two days or something like that? And then it was the uh, Doctor Strange trailer uh-huh. had something like two point two million yep. in like yep. five hours or yep. something like that, that. that. Sounds about right to me. Yeah. yeah. What what do you think it is uh, about what what do you think it is about the Marvel universe that has been able to stick the landing better is because they took more time. They built their they built their legs a little bit better. I think that like the what like what ultimately makes Marvel so successful started with good movies. Yeah, and then built on consistency. So like, and we saw those movies together. I mean, we went and saw. I think we went and saw Captain America together. We yeah, we went and saw... We might have seen Thor. And I we went and saw the Avengers together. Yeah. At, Ten years ago. <laughs> yes. And um, and those movies were great. Yeah. And like in different ways, right? Like, like the first Iron Man or like the first Captain America weren't great in the same way the Avengers was. They were smaller movies. Yeah. But they got it right. They got like... They had good characters. They had exciting moments. And they, they, in many ways, reminded me of things that I loved as a kid. I think Captain America probably reminded us both a lot of Indiana Jones movies that we loved. Yes. And I think that Iron Man sort of reminded you a bit of, like, almost like like Robert Zemeckis type of thing. Um, and they were, like, these fun adventure movies that were legitimately well-made. They weren't trying to hit a grand slam. They are trying to hit a legit triple, and they did. And then the Avengers just fucking, like... It's so funny to me because now if you go, like, and you look at, like, opinions, like, people really, really try to downplay what the Avengers was. Dude, the Avengers is the reason you have MCU stickers on your shit. It's the reason that, like, Disney is, like, has more control, like, Marvel Studios has more power in the film industry than anyone else. It's because that movie was their big moment. This is it. This is critical. Make or miss. And they made it. Yeah. They hit that shit out of the park. It was a f- cultural phenomena. We were like, dude, like, like we have friends that like are not quite as nerdy as we are wearing like Avengers armbands and shit when that shit came out. I mean, it was everywhere. We would put, we would put in our tip jar at the Starbucks that we worked at. We would put like Thor or Captain America on our tip jars and like people tip so many tips whichever character they liked more and like you had totally like random like old people just like oh captain america because everyone liked the damn movie yeah and that really changed everything and then i would say from a brand standpoint after that they just kept making good movies i would argue that marvel's quality has fallen off a little yes but they're still good yeah you know what i mean they're still like you still walk away from them like well i you know that wasn't terrible even the ones that i'm really disappointed in i'm still like it wasn't terrible well you know they have now fallen under the uh the everlast curse uh uh this is what uh joe my my uh, old boxing coach used to tell me like uh something from everlast and he's like you know what they say about everlast don't you everlast never last and what he meant by that was the minute you start mass producing something yeah it goes down in quality. 
And yes. now Marvel has like after they finished after they finished Endgame, yeah. it stopped being about the focus of like we gotta make every movie because you can't build this and have one week length. They right. all have to be good. Yep. Well they hit the fucking tip. Yep. And then the fucking giant star beam shot into the sky and it was just like, alright. Everything. Yeah. Go now. Yes. You know, um, with that said, I can't remember the last time I had more fun in a movie than when I fucking saw Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. my God. I felt like an eight-year-old boy. What fucking, yeah. what, God, I, I cried. Yeah. I legitimately it, it, cried. It, it, it very much, like, I remember, you know, when we went and saw the Avengers, walking out of the movie theater being like, that made me feel like a little kid. Yeah. Um, I'm significantly older than I was 10 years ago, and Spider-Man made me feel like a little kid. Yeah, you know, it was the like, same way. Wow. Yeah. It was the same way. Uh, with, uh, just, I thought that was an amazing, amazing movie. But then, again, that's one of those moments that they knew they had to get it right. Yeah. It wasn't like yep, fucking yep, yep. Black Widow or Shang-Chi or fucking Eternals, where mm-hmm. it's like, We'll just do our thing. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It'll it'll work. We just do the, the Marvel thing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it'll work. And mm-hmm. now you're realizing that you can't just keep doing the Marvel thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I do feel like they, they those movies in particular, I feel like there's been a little bit of a... I thought there was a pretty big dip in quality with Black Widow, specifically. Yeah. Um, Black Widow should have been a badass James Bond type movie, and... It did not deliver. I actually, I actually think Shang Chi was like pretty good, and I, I think Eternals was pretty good. I think Shang Chi was better, but I thought both those movies were pretty good. It's just that the overall product, the consistency, hasn't been there. Like, yeah. like I thought, like I, I'll be real with you. I don't think Black Widow was very good at all. Yeah, and it should have been great. Yeah, it, that character deserved a great movie, and I don't think it would have been. When I say not hard, obviously making movies is very hard, but. I feel like it would have been pretty easy to make a really compelling movie with a character like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh... And I don't think Eternals was what the audience wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is it that you think is... Uh, what do you think it is about Batman that just keeps people coming back? Like, why do we get so excited about a new Batman, like, every, like, three years? Which, I mean... Arguably, we get more excited and throw down more money for that than we do like a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, which is probably like the closest. I would say closest counterpart. Yeah, those are the yeah. Um, because Batman, there are characters that are similarly as cool as Batman. They exist, but Batman is just the fucking coolest. Yeah. Like, there's just something about Batman. And it, it's, it's hard to pin down, but Batman is a special character. And I know Batman is a special character because I'm the nerd who knows all those superheroes that no one knows about. Like, I'm, I'm the nerd that, like, you know, was really excited about a Black Panther movie long before anyone had any reason to be excited about that, if you were, like, a, a general audience member, for example. Um, and I know other guys who are equally as, as, like, hardcore fucking nerd as I am. And we're still like, yeah, there's something special about Batman. And then you look over at like the general audience who doesn't give half a shit about your your comic book superheroes, and I was like, oh, but you know, Batman, he's he's just a special character. I think it's it's pretty difficult to pin down why. 
there's a cool to him. There's almost like that dangerous cool that normally only belongs to villains like Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Like that, like the seductive nature of evil is that you get to be so fucking cool. Batman kind of gets that without being evil. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's your, uh, who's your favorite now? I mean, come on, man. It's Pattinson. Like, yeah. It's Pattinson. Like, it, it, I think that was the most uh, believable, the most uh, believable human performance as Bruce Wayne that I've seen. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people that are like, my, my former favorite before this movie came out was Keaton. Yeah. And part of that is when I grew up, but also I really just love the way, he, the, the kind of weird swagger he brought to that yeah. role. But yeah, it's Pattinson now. Yeah. What well, about you? How do you feel? I, I mean, I knew from the trailer like the very That's first right. trailer exactly. like fucking three years ago That's right. or whatever like <laughs> yeah. i knew i was like i was like well Good fuck i have it. a new batman yep. <laughs> like i just do yep. like i didn't need to see anything but that and i was like i'm hooked like he's got it yeah. like he's fucking got it he's yeah. batman um so we'll uh end on this like i like to do with everyone we've already talked uh, now you know i already kind of know uh going forward your your movies for this year this was obviously the first one um the uh northman yes and we have a trailer for that and mm-hmm. we have a trailer for note uh-huh. so after having seen those how do you feel moving forward <laughs> very excited yeah um the northman trailer blew me away yeah um that movie looks so fucking cool. It looks fucking savage as Yeah, fuck. it does. And, like, I mean, I'll go watch Willem Dafoe do anything. <laughs> like, Willem Dafoe, like, they could do a movie that's just, like, Willem Dafoe making popcorn. I'd be like, oh, one ticket, please. Like, I'd be, be all over it. He's just, he's just a, you know, he's just a force of nature, that guy. I love him so much. And um, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's in it, and she's one of my favorite up-and-coming actors in yeah. the whole industry. I think she's she's super cool. Um, and that, I mean, just the moment with her acting kind of crazy, I was like, oh, something cool is happening there. Or like when, uh, the spear gets to him and he catches it, turns around and throws it back. I'm like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Just, just seeing Robert Eggers sort of spread his wings and fly. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. I'm excited to see that too. It's going to be, it's cause it's so much more epic than anything uh-huh. he's done before. Right. He's and- done these very small, like. Kind yeah. of movies, yeah. And I'm very interested to see how his particular attention to detail like goes into something like that. Is it still going to be there, or is it going to get lost a little bit? Because you look at things like The Witch and how he like went and reworked all that dialogue, and then you look at like the scenery and all that, and all the the set design and everything, and the clothing. his attention to detail is superhuman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like. I don't even know how he would be able to like. Like, I would get bored. I would get so bored. Oh, yeah. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it ever. Yeah. Like, the way that he, like, all of the, so anyone who hasn't seen The Witch or hasn't seen The Lighthouse, the dialogue in those movies is based off of literature from that exact time so that it is written exactly the way that we at least assume people spoke at the time. Yes. And, like, he went to meticulous, um, he went to great lengths and meticulous detail to get it that way. And not just that, but, like, everything down to, like, the way that they dressed. Yes. In, in in The Witch, he was trying to light as many scenes with candlelight or sunlight as he possibly could. He was trying to use lights as little as he could. In, um, in The Lighthouse, the clothes, like, they went back and looked at old pictures 
to make sure they're wearing the exact right kind of clothes, to make sure they're speaking the exact uh, right kind of way, they're reading novels from that time. He is a maniac. Yeah, dude, yeah. they went, He's they found their location, they built that they lighthouse. They built a lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, Who does that shit? Can you imagine having that, like, God, having that kind of a, yeah, a budget to make No, I cannot. Yeah. And Very then, nice. uh, the one thing that, like, like everyone that went and saw Batman, they were talking to me about Batman, and then they were like, oh, dude, the trailer, though, for that Nope movie, what the fuck? And I sent it. I sent it to Celeste right after I watched it on YouTube. I was sitting there on the shitter and like sent it to Celeste. Uh-huh. And she didn't watch it right away. She like watched it later in the day. She's uh-huh. like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Uh huh." She's like, "The aliens?" I'm like, "I don't know what the fuck yeah, else like, it would be." <laughs> it seems like it. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that. I mean, did you uh, did you watch Scream? So, you know, a lot of a lot of what I do and don't watch often comes down to, like, whether or not I can talk my girlfriend into it. Mm-hmm. And she literally hasn't seen the original. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. like, we, we have to go back to basics. I'm going to get there eventually, but I got to get her from, from gotcha. the start. Yeah. Good. Uh, did you watch the new Texas Chainsaw movie on... Alright, alright. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. It's good. It's good. Letting down the horror fans. It's alright. We we talked about the thing that we needed to talk about. I was just yeah. wondering, just in case I could uh uh shoot the shit a little bit. Oh, you like... you know that my like my horror sensibilities, um and I mean I, I will definitely go lower brow with some older stuff, but my horror sensibilities lean largely towards the more art house side of horror. Yeah. Um I like movies like nope like that that's the shit that gets me excited because he's clearly going to um heavily homage yeah the sort of more pulpy films of like the 70s and shit and yeah. the more grindhouse era um but he's also going to make something special because that's just kind of what he does yeah that's pretty exciting well i uh, really appreciate you sitting down with me buddy this is fun yeah, and i really really enjoyed doing the geek out with you <laughs> yeah for sure i feel like we could probably easily <laughs> just go on for another two to three hours yeah, we could do several plus just, just talking about yeah batman so we'll just consider this part one of a trilogy and we'll there come back and we'll do another uh, couple That's of right. batman talks there you go well thanks buddy it was fun thanks guys thanks for listening See you next time.